You are now listening to the Hunter's Advantage Podcast. We preserve the history and sport of hunting through curious conversation and action-packed hunts, as well as offering you tips and strategy for more successful hunts. The Hunter's Advantage podcast is powered by Out on a Limb Manufacturing. Out on a Limb is a family-owned company based right here in Oklahoma that makes tree stands, saddle platforms, climbing sticks, and so much more. Christian, I have a quick question. What's that? What bites sound harder, a hippo or an alligator? No idea. It's a trick question. The Ridge Runner 2.0 bites harder than both of them. But all jokes aside, we use these products all across the land on public or private. These help us get into any tree we want and hunt where the deer actually are. Most men go to the grocery store for their meat, but these products help you go to God's grocery store. I have used the Out on a Limb Ridge Runner 2.0 and the Shakar Sticks for the last few years hunting public land bucks, and I've actually shot several bucks out of this setup. If you want to support the podcast and get some Out on a Limb equipment, make sure to go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 for 10% off at checkout. Once again, if you want to support the podcast, Go to outonalimmfg.com and use code HNTA10 at checkout for 10% off. Now let's get back to the podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hunters Advantage podcast. Me and Jake are excited for a very special episode today. I don't know if you read it in the chat before, but you know this is episode 200. Oh, wow. (laughs) Isn't that pretty sick? I've seen it, but I didn't acknowledge it. It didn't register, did it? When I posted when I posted the last uh, one on YouTube and then Apple and Spotify and stuff, I saw 199 and I was like, "Dude, 200, it's next." I I didn't know people this thing would even exist 200 episodes and it's kind of hard to fathom. But well, here we are. We had a message come through the other day that was kind of uh kind of crazy. I'm trying to find it to see exactly how many hours he's listened to the podcast, but oh, that was short, sick. Do you have the screenshot? Yeah, I don't know. I, I've got to find that. We have I'm to find, to find that it. That was sick. Was it on Snapchat? Uh, no, no, no. It was on. A, it was on Instagram. A guy had sent us, and I want to say his name because he, he's probably our best. I mean, say his name. I mean, he deserves it. He's probably our best podcast. Let's, oh no way! Uh, he literally just messaged us 14 minutes ago, but it was about something we said to him. So it was it is Dylan Cole 99, and he had listened to 4,029 minutes of the Hunter Spanish podcast. <laughs> Four thousand minutes. <sighs> if I had to listen to us for four thousand minutes, I. W- <laughs> <laughs> it said he's a top one percent fan. He said, uh, "Huge fan of y'all. Keep doing what you're doing." And then uh, I said, "You're a stud. Thanks for the support." And then he sent a picture of the rating and review. So he just sent that to us. So hey, Dylan, we appreciate it. Top one percent. He's probably the only one in the one percent that's ever listened to. Yeah. <laughs> he is the one percent. He's not in the one percent. He is the one percent. What do you mean? <laughs> well, when it said four thousand minutes of the show, it was like, have we done four thousand minutes of podcasts? Is there that much? If there's four thousand, how many minutes hours of podcasts, does that break down to? I'm an idiot. Four thousand. Do it. I mean, do the math by sixty. That's dang near sixty-seven hours. He's so. If someone has listened to the. He's put in a good week and a half of his life just just straight up listening to us. Listening to the pod. Man, I appreciate it. I didn't even... The thing is, is if there's that much of my voice on the internet, 
you could probably do one of those AI encoders where it gets you like you take their voice and then you oh, make it, type it out, say whatever you want. It's probably like, I love crossbows, corn piles, and shooting them. <laughs> hey, I do like me a corn pile, so you can just snip this one. I mean, it, yeah, you don't have to go through all that AI generation stuff. Yeah. Oh, there's no telling what's out there on this, but yeah. Um, thank you guys for 200 episodes of the show. It's honestly incredible that people are still here listening. Also, thank you guys for uh, using the codes, whether that be you know if you buy out on the limb stuff or any of the Exodus stuff. Thank you, because we got a uh, we got a little update on some code usages and not too shabby. So appreciate not it. too shabby is an understatement. You guys have uh, you guys have really put on and bought some stuff. And by the way, the stuff that you bought, I think, is quality gear. So fair trade. But it was you guys have really showed out for us, and we really appreciate you guys using the code. Anyways, what are we uh, what are we talking about today? So. We kind of got a little bit of a blended episode today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Texas decoy buck that I shot, which was, dang, dude, 12 or 11, 18, so November 18th of last month. It wasn't that long ago. It wasn't that long ago, especially when you consider Thanksgiving and COVID mm-hmm. and all the other stuff that's happened since then. But we're going to do a little bit of a blended episode today. <laughs> I don't think today. you're allowed to say that word. Sorry. China virus. <laughs> Chinese sickness. <laughs> <laughs> I went to a, uh, I get side note. Okay. Anyways, I'm on a side note here in a second, but we we're going to talk about the Texas decoy buck that I shot. And we're going to do some Q and a from uh, TikTok and Facebook and answer some other questions that we've kind of got in the DMS. But I went to dinner last night, like a work dinner or a Christmas party. And one of the guys who was a husband of a lady that I work with, he goes, uh, yeah, the, he was talking about something. And he said, the orange man. And he said, but my wife told me not to talk about politics. And, uh, Lauren was like, if you're calling him the orange man, I can, I can tell what side of the fence you're on. And he was like, I'm oh, not no. going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, not at a <laughs> <Yeah>. work party. <laughs> yeah. But when he called him the orange man, I was like, uh, Lauren said, you mean Donald Trump? And she, he said, yeah, that guy. I was like, okay. You mean, do you mean a dollar 97 a gallon type yeah. man or, uh, back like and swipe my car to the, <laughs> at the pump with no worries when I went hunting. But that's what I no. used to look at. To like see how much it costs to fill up. Now I just fill up and I'm like, it is what it is at this point. Just walk. When you see a triple digits, you just walk away. Yeah. You just walk away. Yeah. Um, no, but I haven't been hunting a ton in I guess December's only been around for six days, but have you spent very much time hunting mid to late November up until now? Have you been uh, up to what have you been up to before we I've get been into taking the my bow story? for for But other than that, well, not even my bow. It's been gun season here in Oklahoma, so I've been taking my gun on a hike. Uh, So I got two pieces of private around my house I can hunt, and I have three cell cams set up on one property that's only, I mean, it's pretty good acreage, but it's pecan orchard, and timber-wise, three cell cams is more than enough to at least identify, like, like what's what's been around there. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, that thing's been awful. I've got a few coon hunters and a few uh, side by sides driving through one of the one of the hotter trails on it. So, um, ha- long story short, haven't been seeing anything on there. But I went to the other piece of property that I have and took my gun for a walk one evening, and I set out like <laughs> three or four trail cameras on the opposite side where no one usually goes, but. Uh, I don't really have high hopes for that one either. I did find a scrape and a rub that was like still being used. Cause it was, I mean, it was super fresh. And so I'm going to go check that probably sometime in the next 
week or two, probably just a little bit before Christmas. Cause you know, you got to stick around for the holidays. So maybe, maybe that'll be a Christmas present for me. If I open it and I just see like a one ninety or something, that would be cool. But, uh, yeah, long story short, nothing because on that other cell cam I have at the property, it gets dogs about, I don't know, at least three times a week on it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I can't expect nothing good around here. Don't you get pumped up for 12 bucks a month when you look and you're like, another dog. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's fine though. It's fine. Maybe your SDs will, you'll wait till Christmas and check your SDs and they'll been have like a, a 170 hitting it for every day for the last three weeks. I'll be surprised because it's kind of close to a fence line where like, uh, what was it back in 2016 or 17 when I, it was at that hay meadow where you and I brush hog that, that one place back there so it's in between that hay meadow and the pond so it's all that thick timber you know where i'm kind of talking about yep mm-hmm. well that's where kind of the rub and the scrape was and back when i used to hunt it in that blind you would i hunted it really frequently too you'd always hear uh, a four-wheeler kind of driving not on the fence line but maybe 40 yards behind it you. was pretty close yeah and there was one time i literally heard like footsteps and there was obviously human footsteps one evening and i was like what are you doing walking around it's like 25 minutes before it's dark like this is supposed to be prime time and i hear human footsteps behind my blind because i was setting up like right on the fence mm-hmm. so well long story short yeah uh didn't have a good round of public season. yeah i'm going to public sometime soon well i was greeted when i came home for thanksgiving um I was greeted uh, immediately because Luke wanted to go out and one of the places that we hunt, you know, some over by your mom's house. Right. And we, uh, we got out there and Luke and I are sitting on a pond dam and like, I've shot my first buck like 200 yards away from where we were hunting and I've shot does off that pond dam and stuff. So it's pretty kind of a little sentimental place to hunt, but we got down on the pond dam and we're not seeing anything. And Luke's like, man, this is crazy. Like I've been seeing quite a few deer out here because it's cold like it was the one of those days during thanksgiving week where it got down 28 i think in the morning yeah and uh there's a certain neighbor that we know of that like 30 of them hunt they have like tree villages and tree forts that they build Mm -hmm. you know how i'm talking about i know exactly what you're talking about yeah and we're sitting there on the pond and it's like been 30 minutes past i'm like i'm really not seeing anything boom i mean i mean like startle you that close and it was probably 115 yards away, maybe less. And I'm like, Oh, thank God that's over like five minutes later. Boom. And I said, uh, so there goes your two. You've been looking like Luke's been passing <laughs> yeah. some young bucks. And I said, uh, where was have this opening passing? weekend? Uh, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Or the, the Monday after opening weekend or something like that. And, uh, I said, Luke, you've been passing a couple of young bucks out here. Hasn't he? Cause he's, he's got to the point where he wants to shoot one with his bow and like he's passing in mm-hmm. here. And so it's good. Yeah, it's good. And uh, he said, yeah, they're probably gone now. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> that was probably them yeah. right there. <laughs> Did Luke show you his trocan pictures? Yeah, yeah. Do you know that one with the messed up right rack? Yeah. Like, it was just broken or whatever? Yep. That's the one I, uh, Proctor shot for his first tag. Oh, he ended up killing that one. That's the one he killed? I think so. Either that, I don't know. He shot one. One of the, one of the ones he had on camera? Yes, yeah. That's either the one he shot or the one he shot at and that he couldn't find. Mm. So if Luke asked, I meant to relay that message, but I just so, so now so now we know where one of them one of them is. One of them's gone, yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. And then out of those two shots, at least one of the other ones is gone. So probably. Always yeah. there's always next year. Um that's just I mean, to be fair, my dad shot. He one can out come down too, to public so. with us more more often yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um 
he'll learn. Yeah, he'll learn how it is. But I uh, so kind of how the the Texas decoy buck, the story of that one even started was I um, Lauren and I were planning on coming up to Benita for Thanksgiving, and Lauren had messaged me. uh, One of her roommates from college lives uh, lives in North Texas. I I became pretty good friends with her husband over the last three or four years. Like they've came and stayed with us. His, His name's Jake. Yeah. okay it's like the eighth jake that i that i know yeah i told him too uh when we were there i said um yeah i got like eight jakes in my phone he's like really and i'm like yeah and i like they're all good friends too they're not like just like acquaintances like i know like eight of them (laughs) and it's hilarious i mean but it comes with the name you got to be a good guy to to uh be that name Mm mm-hmm so Johnny and, and and Jake, uh, Lauren had messaged me like a couple weeks before, like while we were on our vacation, she said, Hey, uh, do you care if we leave? We were planning on leaving like on Friday or Saturday and coming up to, uh, to stay for a week. And she said, do you mind if we leave on Saturday and go stay with Johnny and Jake? I was like, okay. Um, it's like, sure. Like that sounds good because it's kind of a halfway point, you know, when you're driving up right. to Benita, like it's a little, just kind of a stop. And so we were going to stop, stay for 24 hours. And, uh, and then just keep driving through, you know, get to spend some time with them. And they had a kid this last year. So, uh, Lauren had met, um, their kid and I hadn't, I hadn't yet. And, uh, she was already like eight months old. So I was like, well, I don't want to wait till she's like a full grown adult Boy, girl. girl, we were driving, we, we were driving up there and, uh, it was funny cause Jake had texted me, um, a couple of days before. Cause he's been, he's been hunting quite a bit. And, uh, he said, Hey, do you want to go hunting on Saturday? I was like, sure. Like eat. Either way, I, I mean, I'll go with you, you know, like I'll go out there and go with you, but I wasn't planning on shooting anything. And he's like, cool. I already asked Johnny and she said that we could. I was like, cool. So that means that Lauren was going to be hanging out with Johnny and I was going to get to go hunting. So we drove up there and it was like about noon and Jake's like, yeah, well, you about ready to start getting, you know, getting around. And I was like, yeah, like let's, let's get around and let's go. I wasn't really thinking much of it. Like it was pretty hot still. Um, I think it was like 60s, 70s, maybe. Probably. In Especially that mid-November. Yeah. I mean, it's it's December 6th right now, and I think it got up to like 62 today. So. It was 70s here. Yeah, yeah, it was 70s. Um, But no, we we went out and, uh, you know, kind of goofed around for a little bit, was driving around up at the property, and um, our buddy Micah pulled one of his stands, and then we were kind of driving around. And so they took me to one of these wheat fields, and he, they were like, hey, there's been, you know, few mature 10 pointers in here. Like if you see one of those, you know, for sure. And then they showed me a few bucks. It's like, no on these. It's like, okay, like no worries. I've seen them once. I can, I can identify what, what needs to be shot and what doesn't and mm-hmm. use my discretion. But they drove up and Micah had a, are those there like pretty big body deer or because when I think of typically. like a Texas buck, I usually think of like, you know, almost like, Southeast Oklahoma deer where it's basically a, a poodle with antlers on their head. Yeah, no, not really. Um, it's interesting they're, I think they're bigger than that. Now, are they, uh, are they a Western Oklahoma 250 pounds live weight? No, they're not that, but they're kind of somewhere in between those two. But so we drove on the edge of this wheat field and I kind of got in this inside corner next to a really good bedding area, but we had the wind good where it was blowing out. Like this is like a big wheat field and it was blowing out way the perfect direction. And like there's big timber on my right side and just weed on my left. And I got up in the 
or we got got there and Micah was like, hey, I got a decoy. Like he had one of those flambo decoys and they're actually pretty nice, by the way. I didn't know flambo made a good deer decoy, but he's like, hey, I got this. Do you want to set it up? And I had not planned on going on this hunt. I had no stock in this hunt. I was planning on going out and hanging out with them. So I was like, sure, I don't care. I'm not planning on shooting a deer. Like just throw it out. So he threw it out and he took one of the antlers off like Elliot. He's like, well, at least if one sees this, it won't be nearly as intimidating. I was like, mm. okay, whatever. So he you kinda, think that's actually a thing? I think so. I, I, I have like one decoy. I, I've hunted with uh, Jake Ayers quite a bit, and we've hunted with two antlers on the decoy and had great luck doing that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's anything to it or not. I'm sure. When you get Bronson Strickland back on the podcast and kind of... He probably I don't know, know if he'd have any. Yeah, I mean, he probably would because I know they did... I know they did a study on... Remember us talking about the... I forget which study it was called, but where they took artificial antlers and put them on a young buck yeah. and an old buck. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like surely he would know something related to that, you know, whether it only has one antler or a half broken one or I don't know. Yeah. It, I mean, it's interesting. We just, we just took it off cause well, Micah, it was his idea. He took it off cause he's like, well, it's a little less intimidating. And I'm like, well, he's going to look out and see an antler. So it doesn't matter to me, you know? Mm-hmm. And like I said, low, low hanging fruit. I'm not planning on shooting a deer at all. So I'm like, set it up how you want. I don't care. Right. So he sets it up at like 19 yards and kind of quarters it into the wind a little bit. And I'm like, sweet. Sounds good to me. So I got up in a tree and Micah and Jake have these sticks. Like they're like, yeah, we got these pretty big sticks. Like you, you know, talking about out on a limb they're like do you have any sticks you recommend and i showed him my backpack and the sticks are like this long yeah. and jake was like well check these out and he pulled out these novik sticks dude they were like three and a half foot long were they heavy and they had four of them no they're like tubular so they each had four of them so i get up in this tree that micah has already sawed out because they're hanging hunting a ton on this place like just learning and hanging hunting and stuff i'm um, learning about the property and so I look up and Micah's like where he had put his platform was like 25 feet up. Really? And I only have three sticks and I, you know, I have long legs, but three sticks are not going to cut it on 25 feet. I'm not getting mm-hmm. 25 feet. So I look up and I get, I put my stick, 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 and I get up to hang my platform and there's like a half of a tree in my face, like an entire bush. And so I'm like, man, that kind of sucks. So I set my platform and, you know, seat it down and step up on it, get up in my saddle. And I look and there's like a half thorn bush in my face. And I'm like, well, that's mm-hmm. not going to work. So I just started grabbing, cut. There was one behind me, grab, cut. And by the time I got done trimming, I was like, my cover's gone. Like, I, have, I have no cover. I'm skylined. This tree is as narrow. It's like as narrow as a pine. And basically all the limbs are gone like hunting pines. So I'm like, okay, this could be a problem going forward but i you know low stakes i'm like i'm not going to shoot a buck or anything so whatever i'm at least going to be comfortable and if one comes in i'm going to have a shot uh so i got all my stuff set up my camera my bow and i'm sitting there and i think we got in the stand around two something 230 ish and it's right before five so daylight savings has already happened and you know it's like pitch black at like 5 45 maybe less mm-hmm. um this time of year you're talking and about so evening? Yeah. 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 So I'm sitting up in the tree and it's like 445. And you know how when you haven't seen anything, I don't know if you do this, I do this, but if you haven't seen anything like an entire set, you're like, well, what would rattling or calling do? You can't hurt it. I'm already seeing nothing. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. 
I started to get that thought in my mind because I had had these squirrels behind me playing butt Tag. touch or yeah, whatever yeah. they were doing. And they had done it so many times. And so it's like four forty-five, and I'm considering grabbing my grunt call. Cause I put it in my pocket. I was like, I could use this. And, and especially since I had the decoy out, I was like, well, right. if I rattle, at least like if something comes in, they got something to look at. If I grunt, but something comes in, they have something to look at. And like I said, I'm hunting a huge wheat field. So I'm like, if there's a scenario to call, it's probably this scenario, like heat of the rut. I have a decoy. I have a non-intimidating decoy because he's half male, half female. He only has one, one antler and it's they in the them. middle of a, yeah. They them. <laughs> and it's, it's in the middle of this wheat field. So I'm like, I got great visibility. It's probably a good time to call. And so as I'm kind of making that math formula in my head, I hear that steady walk, you know, the squirrel is the, right. I heard the, she had the right cadence. It was the right cadence. And I was like, that's a buck or that's a deer. Like I knew that that was a deer. And so I turn to my right and not 35 yards away. I see not only antlers, a big frame. And I was like, well, that's a big buck. So (laughs) I'm, I, I still don't know what's going to happen. Like I said, there's no reason for him to come by me besides the decoy. So I'm like, he could just skirt, you know, he could walk out in the field and be 80 yards away. I don't know. So just in case hit the remote on the GoPro hit, you know, where he is on the, I hit my main camera and point it to where he would come out. And then I zoomed in a little bit on the camera and made sure it was exposed. Right. And by the time I did that, I still, I'm looking over and he is just like Jeffrey Dahmer murder stare just on this decoy like he can see it through all you know there's timber and stuff between him but he can like he's just standing tall and proud and just staring and then he's and i've got my at this point i'm like he's got to come in like i saw him look at the decoy was there very many deer out in the field at this point or i haven't seen a deer yet this is the first year i saw so i'm gonna stop you right there because because i got a i got a little question to ask do you think that decoy that decoy was the main reason you killed that deer? And and obviously looking at the footage, it seems yeah, you that saw way. The footage. <laughs> yeah, it, it it for sure seems that way. But what I think is even if you didn't call or grunt or rattle or do anything along those lines, my own experiences with with hunting, you know, around private land and having a food based thing you hunt over, whether that be corn, corn or uh like winter wheat or whatever that is, is normally it seems like the bucks will kind of have like the little outer transit or the inner transition area within the timber before they make their way out into the field. Mm -hmm. Do you think him seeing that other deer, which would be your decoy out there made him a come to that spot and then B come there as early as he did. So I think that he was probably coming out on the field regardless Really? Or gonna transition maybe to a different part of this bedding area because it's really just one big block of timber that kind of. I think he was gonna walk to a new part of a bedding area, possibly scent check it for does or something like that. And I think on his merry way, he just happened to see it, and mm. it probably starked him, you know, because I don't know how social structures and deer work, but I would think if you live on a unpressured piece of private land, you probably know most of the bucks in there. Like as another buck, you've probably seen them especially out feeding and stuff. So walking and seeing like a new 
guy on the block. It probably just stops you. Like, what? How did he get there? I didn't hear him walking. Where the frick did he come from? You know that all those questions. So that's kind of in my mind. It probably just startled him, and I hadn't Mm -hmm. called or anything. So that's probably even more of a shock factor. Like when you're walking and you just don't expect anything, and then one's just there. You're probably like, oh, what the frick? You know that sort of thing. Yeah. Cause he's walking in very thick timber and then he probably, as soon as he gets visibility out into this field, sees the decoy and he's like, okay, what the heck? So I think the decoy brought him into bow range. I think he was coming to that area regardless. regardless. Yeah. Yeah. So I hear him hitting the and I got my bow up. I got both cameras rolling at this point and I just got my bow in my hand and I'm watching and I hear a whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I'd like turn my head a little bit Uh and he is on the edge of the field, like three feet into the timber on the edge of the field, making a monster scrape, like a, like every stroke was with intention. What's going through your head at that point? One, I'm thinking this is awesome because at first when I saw him lock onto the decoy, I was thinking, okay, there's a good chance because at least he sees the decoy. Like, is he going to come up to it? Maybe, maybe not but he'll at least probably come within 30 yards of it, which would be within bow range. When he started making the scrape, I'm like, he's coming. Is he downwind of it? At this point, he's upwind of it, and he has to circle to get downwind of it. Okay, so that's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So Micah set the decoy up in the right manner because the buck would have to circle around him to get downwind of him, and that's either coming behind me or coming in front of me. Either way is fine. So he starts hitting that scrape, and... uh, to me, what he was, what I don't know what he was saying, but to me, what he was saying was, this is your last chance to run off. Like, mm. I've walked in, you saw me, obviously, you haven't moved in a millimeter, and I'm going to scrape here, and if you don't move, I'm going to kick your ass. That's kind of what I think he was like, because you saw the neck on him. He was a mature deer. That and the ears. The neck, On the, the footage ears. walking in, that that was impressive, because, I mean, if if anyone's like, been around horses in their life you know when uh a horse gets pissed off the ears go flat back on its head and i mean usually not not a good sign especially if you're on the back of it but for in the deer world if they had the ears spin straight back and they start puffing up like that you know something's about to go down exactly so he hits that scrape maybe 30 seconds and he makes a good one by the way, there's a rub like right under my tree. So I'm like, all right, there's bucks in this area. Like immediately I knew that. And Micah and Jake had hunted the area and they're like, yeah, there's some bucks in here, but you know, like why not set up the decoy to have them closer? Right. But he, he hits the scrape. And the second he steps out on the field, I draw. And he's still probably 30 yards from me, but he's 25 yards dia- or diagonally from the decoy. So he's got some distance to close. And the reason I drew right there was like I told you earlier in the story was I'm like skylined, no timber around me. Backdrop's not good. Closest tree is still 10 yards behind me. No foliage. You know, we're starting to get to that point where all the leaves are gone. And I thought I'm willing to spook him immediately at the shot that when he comes in, it'll be perfect. So I could have waited until he got in, but I just thought at that point, well, he'd be looking at the decoy, but he's still 19 yards away. And drawing mm-hmm. on a deer when you're 15 foot off the ground from 19 yards away didn't seem like the smartest thing from my perspective. So I drew immediately. And just like you said, I mean, you saw the footage. When he came in, 
hair bristled up. Every hair was like, just yeah. like a cat. All the hair bristled up, ears back, and Winston does it. My French bulldog does it. I don't know why he, he walks this way, but have you seen have you seen horses that kind of walk sideways? Like they walk oh, with yeah. their butt in a different direction. It's almost like they're walking in sideways, not straight. It's basically at it. like a dog trying to like love up on you after you get onto him. You know, he kind of is like, I'm sorry, but it's in a more like aggressive manner. Yeah. Well, that's what he did was his head is kind of neutral and his ears are back hair is up and he's like almost sideways walking at him like he's not walking straight at him he's like sideways and side eye posturing, posturing up bad and my first thought while i'm at full draw is he's gonna hit the decoy because and you've seen you've <laughs> Were seen you gonna videos. let him do that or i wasn't gonna shoot him walking right if that's your question so like if he just took off running i was gonna be like all right we'll see and you've seen videos and Mikey even had an experience with this a couple weeks later. Oh, I where see he Mikey's, happened. Yeah. Yeah. When they hit the decoy and the decoy comes into five different parts, it's pretty much over. They run away. Mm-hmm. Um, so your chance is when they're walking into the decoy. And as he's walking in with those ears back and hair bristled, I'm thinking he's probably going to hit the decoy. I just hope when he hits it and it explodes, he just walks closer to me and not further away. All because right. when I drew back, I gave up any ability to range. And you asked me when he was walking in on the footage, you said, why, why didn't you shoot him right there? Like that stop him as he's like walking in. Did you not know the range? And I knew he was anywhere when he was walking in from like 22 to 27. And mm-hmm. that's a shootable range. But my thought was if he comes to the decoy, he's going to be at 20. So, right. And I've got my side on 20. So might as well let him walk into the decoy. He keeps walking and he gets the decoys at 19 and he's probably 23. And did you see him in the video, like stop, like he hit a scent trail and just halted? Oh yeah. Yep. 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 So we had drove up to the stand, got all the stuff out, stepped out, put the decoy together. Michael wore gloves when he put it together, but there's still three guys standing there. So he Mm -hmm. like, he stepped where we had stepped and he kind of started to like back up a little bit. Yeah. And, and as he backed up, I just waited kind of not anchored correctly as he walked in i just kind of followed him and wasn't anchored when he did that i was like okay time to anchor so i anchored and i remembered at this point i've been in full draw for probably 45 seconds and i remember my pin yeah but you're only shooting like what 50 pounds 55 38 that's what's legal in texas gotcha yeah Yeah. (laughs) but i'm in yeah easy draw like i'm holding what three pounds Mm -hmm. six pounds so I'm in I'm in full draw and I remember my my arm is a little tired. My pin dips below him and I'm like pulling through the shot as it dips below him. I'm like, no, no. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. I'm like, don't do that. So I just kept inching it, inching it, inching it as I'm pulling, and it got where I wanted it and broke. And I probably hit him two inches higher than where I was aiming, but the exit was perfect too. But when I shot, I stuck it in the ground and you see him kind of hit this half you running away and he runs probably 70 yards and stops. And I'm like fumbling to get another arrow in. I'm like, okay, I'm going to shoot him again. Mm -hmm. And then he runs another 20 yards and I just hear the, uh, 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 and I just see him crash. So you watch him fall. 
watched him fall. Yeah. And you can see it. You can see it in the, the 360 GoPro, I think picked it up too, but watched him fall. It was, it was awesome because it was in every sense of the word, just a bonus buck. Like I'm going out with a buddy, not planning on hunting. There's only a couple deer that he's like, Hey, these are mature bucks. And I'm like, what are the odds of me going out in a random spot with a decoy and having one of the bucks that you can shoot come out on a one evening hunt as I'm passing through? Like, not yeah. not super high, you know? So that happened, and I'm like, I'm immediately like, it's just my year. That's just what I'm saying. Like, I'm just, I'm blown away at this point. I'm like, whoa. Because when I got into the stand, do you ever have those times where you get in the stand and you're like, probably this time. Like, this, it could happen this time yeah but i use i'm usually disappointed at the end of the hunt though well in 99 percent of the time <laughs> it doesn't happen yeah. but when i got up in the stand i thought about it i was like right date right time to have a decoy good spot food um i wasn't expecting it to happen but it's like dang i kind of had a good feeling like this could happen so um yeah that happens and i'm just like blown away i'm like are you serious and at the time when i shot him i had my uh, seven by five that I had shot. Uh, and I showed Jake and Mike of the skull cap. I'm like, yes, this is a nice buck. And after I, when I shot that buck, I thought, uh, I thought he was bigger than the one I had shot before. You thought the Texas buck was bigger than the one. Yeah, I did. Well, I can see that because frame wise, they're, they're, they're pretty equal on that. But I, but your Oklahoma buck is just has a little bit more mass to it. I should probably describe the buck I shot. It was a mainframe yeah. 10, like a, he ended up scoring like 141. I rough scored him like in five minutes. That's that's what he scored um, roughly. And he's like 17, 18 inches wide and good time length. Like one side was beautiful, like yeah. time length. The other side had a little bit less time length, but he had, he was a six by five. So one side had six and one, yeah, the other side had five. So he's an 11 technically. Good eye guards, just, just like a good frame. What you would think of a nice mature, like 10 pointer. As soon as you, uh, as soon as you FaceTime me, like holding a buck, because I forget what you said, you FaceTimed and you were like, uh, just missed a giant, just missed yeah. a giant. Yeah. And I was like, you're on the ground. So I don't, I don't know why you'd be doing that. And then you flip to it and you're holding now, granted they're both good size, but you're holding the better side. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, I think he just got his PB again this year mm. because I mean, it, I love a framey deer, and even even if your your uh, Oklahoma buck scores better than the Texas buck, like I think I like your Texas buck better just just from the frame. He's a, yeah, he's a little he's probably a little more framey. Like he kind of comes out, you know, mm-hmm. and so he's nice and wide. Uh, he could have been 150 inch deer that one time. That one side, I think, I think longest, if the other side matched, he would he would be almost 150 on the dot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other side, I think the longest point on that side was like seven or something like that and on the other side it had like a 10 inch g2 yeah. so it was just like a couple inches shorter each time it's but no nah, he was a he was a stud and had a huge huge neck on him like all right huge neck. so you're in the stand you just shot him you watched him fall over what do you like obviously you're thinking like this is just your year but uh do you still give him a little bit of time or do you just like say, Hey, I seen him fall, but let's go put hands on him. So Jake and them aren't hunting too far away at like 300 yards away. So I'm thinking how much more time is left till dark. And it's like pretty much getting dark mm-hmm. at this point. So I'm like, well, I'm going to get, 
of course I want to go look at him because I'm like, I think that's, that might be the biggest book I ever shot. Like I thought it was right. bigger at the time. I'm like frame wise. He is a little bit bigger, but just not score wise. I thought I'd shot him. I couldn't, I was kind of overwhelmed because I shot him. And then I thought I just came to Texas, which by the way, I've talked so much crap on Texas deer hunting. So <laughs> I didn't, this bug did not that's deserve fine. to die by my hand. Um, but I shoot this buck and I'm thinking, I just immediately thought about the year that I was having opening day buck, shot a buck with my recurve, shot my PB October 30th, and then go on a whim, just a fun invite, a bonus, a, buddy, hunt. a bonus hunt, wasn't planning on shooting a deer. I'm wearing a sweater. I'm not wearing camouflage. I'm wearing brown jeans and a sweater, like a deer hunt, there's a, a brown sweater with a deer emblem that my uncle gave me. Like I'm look like a turd in the tree. I'm all in all brown. And I was just kind of messing around, like not expecting much of it. And I just shoot what I think is probably the bigger, one of the bigger deer I've ever shot. And he is like probably the third highest score deer I've ever shot. And so I'm just thinking, wow, God is good because this year already was way better than I expected it to be. And it got even sweeter. And then immediately, then my next thought is it's only November 18th. I could still keep going. Like, this is insane. And then, like you said, uh, I think when I FaceTimed you, you're like, this is how it goes. Sometimes sometimes you can't do anything wrong, and sometimes you can't do anything right. And I was, and you said, this is your year. Nothing is going wrong. And I was like, you're right. That is 100%. That right. means what state is next up to bat? Yeah, I have a, I have a tag in Nebraska. That's probably not going to happen. It's just so far. To, it's like 16 hours to get where I hunt. But... I don't know. I'm thinking about a January buck now, like where I, I would love to go to Arkansas or Missouri or Ohio. I'd love to do something else. Um, I mean, a Missouri tag for the whole year is like 225 bucks. Right. Exactly. Un unlike Arkansas, where you, where you said like the one day was like a hundred bucks and like a full Arkansas year. Arkansas getting their money out of the non Yeah, they are. No, but I remember the first thing when I told Lauren, she said, uh, she said two things, two things. She said, don't talk crap on Texas deer hunting again. I said, okay, fair, fair. Like this is a good one. I won't do that again. And then she said, cause before, as we're driving up, I had already shot three bucks. Lord willing. It was amazing. And, uh, she said, so you're done for the year after this, right? <laughs> and I shoot that buck. I shoot that buck. And she goes, now you're really done, right? Like you're satisfied. And I said, I'm, content i'm blessed i'm happy satisfied is not the word though she said are you gonna all keep it is, doing is this? it's just a uh i think what it is is just like a hamster wheel you know you keep going round and round and you know you want more and more and more but i mean i don't know and eventually you just run out of season so you have to quit that's that's what it is it's it's you are content but you're not satisfied until january 15th or whenever the last mm -hmm. buzzer sounds really it. Yeah. It, that's how it is for me. At least like I, I'm forced to stop. That's, that's what stops me is the legality of not being able to hunt anymore or else I would keep going. Um, but no, I mean, I, I get down and I'm just like really excited and I walk over to the buck and I tried to walk pretty slow because I saw him like the second I sat got out of the tree. Mm. And so, you know, when you can see him and I'm like, I don't want to look at him. Like he looks big. And 
I started walking. I don't know that feeling, him. but yeah, continue. Shut up. <laughs> uh, I, I am walking towards him and the, I'm shooting those VPA 150 grains. And did you ever find your arrow? Yeah. Well, it was stuck in the dirt behind him. Oh, did it? It was sticking like that out of the ground. And I'm shooting those VPA 150 grain single bellows. And to be fair, I only, I shot three bucks with them this year. One, only one of them was like at a great blood trail because I hit a main artery on a deer. The other two were like, they only ran 20 yards and fell over. So I didn't even really look for blood, but on this one, he had ran a little bit further. So as I'm walking up to him, looks like a blood trail, uh, tip of the thumb over a water hose spraying it. I mean, it's like, you know, when you walk up to a buck and you're like, this is kind of nasty because there's so mm-hmm. much blood. It was like, it was spraying the last 20 yards bad. And he was laying in like a pile, like the size of his body. So I instantly was like, "Ugh!" and I like it dragged him out of bad, it. sounds bad, but that's kind of what you want. You know what I mean? Like it, oh, he died in 15 seconds. It looks awful, but I mean, it was easy to follow. And he, like you said, died within 15 seconds. I don't know what a hunter could ask for besides that. You can't, um, it's almost, but it's so much carnage that I'm like, I don't even really want to sit here and like look at all this blood because, cause I, I pick him up and I'm like, God, he's beautiful. He still has this like dark chocolate coat. Mm. Like he's got a huge neck, not a single hair, like out of place. And one of the things I've really started liking about deer and admiring is, you know, the, like the skin around their eyes is like a real soft, it's like a real soft, uh, gray or brown and it almost looks wet. Like I looked at him and he has that he had that and I was just admiring him looking at the coat and uh looking at the rack and so I dragged him out of that pile of blood and was just holding him up and I remember holding up the frame and being like this is a freaking stud. Like, yeah. This is a and I sent you the picture you were asking for more pictures but I had like no service at all. Yeah, oh, I know, trust me. <laughs> but I ended up sending you that one picture on Snapchat of him and uh, like him laying on the ground. And that picture makes him look huge. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes him look really big. But you, I mean, you saw him in person. What did you think of him? I brought you, I brought the head. I thought that was a whole lot of antler because uh, he killed at the 18th. When did I see that book? It's like the, the 19th or 20th. Oh, it was when you're him. in Benita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, shit, out in Sack parking lot. Yeah, no, he was, he was a good buck, dude. I don't, I'm just still in awe of like how many bucks you shot this year. Laura and I obviously were like, we, we've gotten to the point where we like talk more about like a family and stuff. And she's like, could you like hang it up on this season? And I'm like, hang it up's the wrong word, but, uh, I could be satisfied with this. What you do is you plan around it where it's like, you know, that you ain't pulling a Casey Smith and having it born, uh, you know, in November like or something. Two weeks like before. Yeah. So yeah. what you could do is like shoot for a summer baby. That way it's like at least ha- maybe can hold the set up halfway, or at least you don't have to be around twenty four seven when it comes to uh November, you know, Lauren. Y'all be used to it is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. But I mean, uh yeah, it was I can't believe it either. Like I really can't because I don't know if all of them will. My thought is maybe two like out of the, cause I dropped them off to Jared and he said, Hey, how many? Cause I dropped him off. My tax. You're going to have to get a discount, son. There's gotta be a four for one. Like 
buy not even a four for one, but just tell them like, hey, what are you thinking? Like fifty bucks off a piece, uh, you know? Because I mean, you got to think that's that's two hundred bucks right there if you get fifty bucks off a piece. I don't know. We'll have my podcast. Have a black get, bear get, there too. Get fifty percent. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um. No, but I drop them all off at Jared and. Jared does incredible work. So I'm, I'm like looking at every one of the racks, like, man, this one would look good. Then he, yeah. he can make a turd look awesome. Like you could shoot a forky in and he'd mount it. And you'd be like, God, it looks good. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I drop them all out <laughs> and, uh, I dropped them. I was walking to the truck and, uh, Jared was skinning out my skinning out somebody else's buck, like caping it off the, off the, uh, head. Yeah. Off the head. And, uh, he said, how many are you putting in the book? the Pope and young book. And I said, uh, mm. I said, hopefully four because they scored 127, 140, 141, and 150. And the only one, the only two that I don't know about are the 127. That's close. That's about as close as you can get. Yeah, and but he's really symmetrical. He's really symmetrical. They netted him in where I shot him uh, on that draw hunt. They netted him at like 125 and an eighth, but you know how that goes. Like, right. That could have been a, he could be 123. Gross. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But the the 140 is the lopsided deer. You remember that one? Yeah. He's got like that one huge side and the other side's like still probably 125 inch eight point if he had match. But he's got like one huge side and one not huge side. And so the question is, is that not huge side going to be 125 net? I mean, in the in the in the scheme of. The Pope and Young. So obviously, for those that don't know, to make Pope and Young, it has to at least net one twenty-five. As a typical. Obviously, we don't really hold that to much account. But if you're trying to get a piece of paper, then yeah, that's cool. But that is going to hurt you in a way that you know, just because you have that one awesome side and then the one you know that's just still great, but like just decent compared to the other side. Um, I don't know, man. I haven't seen him in a while, but. He might make it. He really might make it. I think I I think I did the math and I got like 128 net on that one. 127. I think I'd be more worried about that buck than your one you shot with the recurve. You think so? I think so. He's pretty symmetrical. The recurve buck is. Uh he looks he looks very symmetrical. What you should have did is uh did you ever score him yourself? Mm, no, I didn't end up scoring him myself. Oh, it's fine. I, you add, you always add a couple more inches anyway, so yeah, he was 130, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't square uh, myself. It got a yeah. I mean, it got a rock. So I was like, okay, this is the satisfaction. That's me. all that matters. And uh I'm gonna have to spend a half a day up there if I'm gonna have Jared score all of them because he scores them like if he'll score them two or three times if they're close, just to like make double sure. Mm-hmm. Like that buck I shot last year, six by seven. He said he scored it three times and it scored it netted one twenty five and one eighth. No way. Yeah. Wow. It scored 142 and seven eighths and it netted 125. It takes him a while to do it because it, I, uh, when he scored my buck, he, were you up there when he did it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he had like a whole group of guys the day before, but I didn't know about it. And I texted him like that night and he was like, Oh man, you should have been up here earlier today, but yeah, bring it. He, this was like two years ago. And he was like, bring it, uh, bring it tomorrow or the next day or something like that. And it was me and, another guy in there that, and he, when I walked in, he was scoring the other guys. And so I don't know, it probably took him 10, 15 minutes to score it. To score yours. Yeah. And he only scored yours once. 
Well, yours wasn't close, uh, like, wasn't it wasn't close to like not making the book or anything. So like you no, only had no. the square ones. I made Cy Curtis, son. What do you mean? So what what's Cy Curtis? 135? 145? So I always thought it was 145, but Justin, I guess, enlightened all of us when we were uh on our November trip and he said it was 135. And I looked it up and it was one it is 135. So So I should have a Cy Curtis. Potentially, yeah. The the seven by five should be a Cy Curtis. Yeah. Net. Let me just double Maybe. check. So I'm not, so I'm not an idiot. I think that's it. And by the so, way, for people that listen, that's an Oklahoma only record. Yeah. It's not a broader record book. That's honestly a pretty good, uh, that could either be a, uh, a short long form or a, for sure short form. Just talk about, you know, at least Curtis. you got, yeah, you got Pope and Young, you got Cy Curtis and you got Ben Crockett. Well, there's other states I've been listening to uh, recently, like the apparently Ohio has like the Ohio Big Buck Club, which is like mm-hmm. only for Ohio. So I, I guess other I states. I think that's have pretty cool, own. though. I think so, too. So, Cy Curtis recognized the trophy game in Hunter. Cy Curtis was established in 1972. I don't care about all that. Jesus Christ. I got some uh, word vomit on the page there. Well, it popped up like the top three Cy Curtis's ever in Oklahoma. And the top one was like 248. And I was like, how the hell? Jeez. 248. 248. What a so typical white-tailed deer, Cy Curtis, 135. And I assume that's net. 135 net. Yeah. Hey. I, but what was your what was your black bear hit? Oh, it wasn't in Oklahoma, though. You shot yours in Canada. Never mind. Is there a Cy Curtis for black bear? There is. What's the score on that? It just says 19. Okay, it was not Cy Curtis. I think mine was 18 and two eights on the black bear. So my black bear was Pope and Young, but it wasn't. It was not Cy Curtis. Oklahoma mule deer 155 for Cy Curtis. Man, it's a big one. Yes, yeah, that's neat, man. So that October 1st and then October 30th. It went right. October 1st, October 27th, and October 30th, and November 18th were the four this year. Mm-hmm. Man, the, from October 27th to October 30th, he couldn't have knocked me off that mountain. I was feeling good. <laughs> well, that's probably the only reason you stayed uh, on our vacation because you're like, listen, I'm at the high of highs right now, so nothing. No, I'm just here to hang out, baby. Well, I brought my two buck. I brought my two bucks and I'm like just sitting at camp waiting for a, waiting for a call to drag another one out. And that was all I was there for. And it it did happen. If I would have stayed a couple more days, it would have happened like two more times, but I got on the highway. I get about 20 minutes from where we're hunting and Justin calls me. He goes, where are you at? You know, those kind of calls. Mm -hmm. And then he calls me another 10 minutes later. So I'm now I'm 30 minutes away. And he was, uh, it was like, where are you at? I said, I'm, I'm on the, on the way home. I told you guys I was leaving Friday. And he said, well, we got a buck on the roof, like on the rut wagon on Jordan's. Jordan's buck. Yeah. And I'm like, are you serious? He said, yeah, the big kahuna killed one. He said, uh, Jordan killed one. And I was like, no way. Like, of course, of mm. course. I'm, and I'm, you know, 30 minutes away, turn around 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. Like this is going to be a two hour detour. And I, I was like a big one. And he said, I, it's a good one. And I was like, oh, I said, I can't. I said, if it's a booner, I'll come back. But I was like, I can't. I wish it would have happened while you were there because you had all the podcast stuff and we could have ripped one out with Jordan for, for his first one down I there. I know, but yeah, that the rotation was awesome. I mean, it's been, 
good. Oh, I was going to say, so, so what's next on the docket for you? Like Dude, realistically, no idea. I've, you're going to smack a couple of those though. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma special dough day, I think is the 18th of no of December. And, um, I'm definitely shooting my limited dose. So I'm going to yeah. try to well, get four dose. I'm just saying Jake Ayers invited me down to go smack a dough and, I know y'all got some big body does down there. So if you're down there, I'll, I will more than happy make the drive. Oh, and, you should come. Cause I got three dough tags left and I don't know the dough around here. If, if I shoot these dough, there's not going to be any more deer left to see for, you know, Gavin and Gage and all those, right. all those kiddos. So that's kind of where I'm at. I've been talking to uh Carol. I have to convince him to come back to shoot a doe, but um, I've been talking to him about shooting some does because we need to on the lease because we shot two bucks and um, we got to shoot some does. Like I had it one time. I mean, if he's not willing to, I'll shoot, I'll fill my tags in, in his spot. Obviously I know y'all don't want to just go shoot 15 doe in there, but we could shoot five. No doubt. Because I hunted one time in October in there and I saw 15 does in one like seven pointer little basket racker. And I, and I was mm-hmm. like, and it was 15 different does. It wasn't, you know, how you see five and then they go off and they come back the same direction. No, it was like five there, three from there, two from behind me. Really? They came from every direction. Yeah. And Feels a bunch crazy. of, bunch of big old donannies that the big ones that like to blow those kind of, those kind of goes. Yeah. So I need to do that. Um, and then it'd be fun too, because, uh, Drew's planning on coming back and hunting that big 10 point that we've had on the lease, the other lease. Oh, so it might be some bone to actually go down to that. That could happen. Uh, if Carol, if you, I and Carol and Drew came, that would, you know, we could really put some deer in the freezer, put some down. So that's for sure happening. I got to do some, got to do some dough management on the lease. So that's got to happen. But from a buck perspective, it might be a January type of thing, but I, I don't mind hunting January. I really don't. No, I, I mean, so here, here in Oklahoma, we don't get like an abundant amount of snow. If it, if it snows, it's mainly just, I don't know, like a thin layer of ice that actually stays on the ground just because, I mean, it, the temperature fluctuates like pretty stupid down here where it'll snow and it'll be below freezing for five days in a row and then it'll snow. And then I don't know, the ground won't be below you know, freezing temperatures, so the snow won't stay most of the time. And so that's, that's something I've always really wanted to do is like shoot a deer and primarily a buck in the snow and just where the blood trail would hopefully be a little bit easier to find. Does that make sense? Where, because yeah. I remember last year going to Kansas and, uh, so you and I went on that, that freaking Arctic blizzard that rolled through Kansas, Oklahoma, and I, I guess most of the United States. And uh, we were in Kansas and you, you went with me the first day and we seen some deer tracks kind of r- running through all the beans and stuff. But the next two times or yeah, the next two times I went back, I moved to where that big eight point came out. And as I was walking through that little, that uh little finger of trees right there, you could see exactly how the deer were moving and how they're using this little ridge timber line type ordeal. And it was really interesting. Like, places where you thought they would move, you know, the snow was pretty clean and obviously it was fresh snow because it was shitting and getting on us, you know, while we were there. So all this was at least in a <clears throat> a two to three day period. So, uh, I don't know. It would just be super interesting, like especially hanging hunt in the snow. That way you can kind of like see what's, what's actually been using 
this area more frequently without having the need like a trail camera. Well, and that's kind of why I, I would, wouldn't mind getting Midwestern for January would be being able to hunt in that snow. We did it. We've shot a deer at the, at the Rosa in the snow. Remember oh, that? that was miserable. Yeah. Well, it was terrible. Yeah. But- it was- yeah, it wasn't was like that during, trail. Was that during Doe Day, though? The special it was during special Doe Day. Yeah. I was about to say, because it was too cold to be like a November type ordeal for it just being mm-hmm. rifle. Oh, it was. Yeah, that was terrible. It was which, negative six. Well, and we hunted uh, when we hunted in Kansas last. It would be been right after Christmas, right before New Year. It was negative 28 wind chill. Mm-hmm. Negative 28. And I thought. I didn't even you can't even fathom how cold that actually is. Like if you quit moving, things just start freezing like your eyes oh, your eyelids dude yeah like the the your eyelashes start freezing on your bottom one and uh yeah it's a bad time to look for a microphone that potentially fell on the ground in a snowstorm on the bright side like you're saying though when there's snow there's no lion where they're walking like yeah. that snow was not there before i remember when we stepped out of the truck and there was um there was tracks right there that were going down that tree line on the edge of that bean field I'm like well there's they're in here they have to be right like it's, I like that kind of hunting. I mean, obviously when, not when it's negative 28, but the snow, the cold, the food back to food kind of thing. I like it because it gets so cold that you're, it's not a battle of wills, but it's one of those situations where you're like, you're going to eat. You're yeah. Gonna they're going to have to eat at some point for sure. You have to. And if you don't eat, you have at least have to move. You can't sit there just bedded. And so and they're more predictable than they are during the rut and stuff. So if you see like a nice trail coming into a bean field in the middle of December, you're like, you ain't slick. I know you're here. And that's exactly what happened though. Like I literally followed those, those footprints that the day I went back by myself, I followed those footprints and there was two openings that they could potentially go out of. And I set a little bit further back on the back one mm-hmm. or I set just a little bit further back than, than the first one. Cause I thought they were going to like the, predominant trail where i thought they were going to walk through was like 30 yards and the other one was about 15 yards and it just so happened that that buck in kansas took the 15 yard trail instead of the 30 yard trail and absolutely caught me with my pants down would not have been bad if you would have like if it was warm enough to be in the saddle it wouldn't have been bad oh no um, that would have been ideal but it wasn't so what do you think it was the same buck that we saw the few days before different eight pointer it was a different eight point. Still nice and wide. He was for sure a shooter. A hundred percent. I've been using the new Exodus rival cell camera for the last couple months, and I have found a beautiful mainframe eight point with tons of stickers to go after this fall. Ooh. One thing I do appreciate about Exodus trail cameras is all of the cameras share the same data plans. You only pay for what you need. A lot of cell cam companies charge you for HD pictures. I've seen prices of $5 for 50 HD pics. Exodus is going to give you unlimited HD pictures right to your phone, which is awesome when you're sitting there in the middle of the summer and it's 100 degrees and you just want to binge a bunch of trail cam photos. If you're looking for a solid cell camera with great performance and a five-year no BS warranty, go check them out. So as we all know, hunting gear is something people can make way too complicated. Arrows can be the exact same way. Instead of going down all those rabbit holes, trying to sift through the endless information that's online, and you're not really sure if it's right or wrong, Exodus makes it simple to get the right arrow for your exact setup. 
So go online to the Exodus Aero Builder. It takes less than a minute. You're going to enter your draw weight, your draw length, and how heavy of a point you're shooting. And it's going to be that simple. Let the guys at Exodus take care of the rest. So if you're interested in Exodus Rival cell cameras or a new set of their MMT Arrows, just go to ExodusOutdoorGear.com and use code HA15 for 15% off anything on the website once again that is exodusoutdoorgear.com use code ha15 at checkout for 15 percent off now let's get back to the podcast december shooter yeah 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 so they're out there i mean they're out there but i think we're gonna do another podcast about the late season stuff so yeah so you're i haven't hunted much since then i have not hunted in december at all what's your plan for the rest of december or at least I'm the gonna, intermediate term. Yeah, I'm going to try to go. Uh, obviously, I'm still going to monitor like my private land, and because uh, I have had a few new bucks show up. Now, granted, the biggest ones maybe 110 inches, mm-hmm. uh, which I showed you a picture of. And there's another one, just a smidge smaller than him, that has a broken rack. I don't know what he's who he's been messing with, but apparently he's got his butt kicked a couple times. Um, going to be monitoring monitoring that, but uh, I want to try to make my way back down to our normal public piece because I tried one closer to the house granted one time, but in and out all said and done a round trip. It probably took me hour 45 minutes round trip from going there, driving to the spot and then driving back home. And I'm thinking like find a new area that or go scavenge a new area. That's still a pretty good trek there and back, or just take a, you know, take a weekend for an extended period of time on spots, you know? Yeah. And higher percentage. Exactly. I'm going to go with that. So, So, and all hope isn't lost on that sort of stuff. You can still get it done on, on public. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even worried about that. Cause like, I mean, I enjoy it. Like I enjoy actually sitting in what feels like hunting temperature, especially in the morning. Cause right now, like it's below still probably 31, 32, just, you know, it's fluctuating between below freezing and above freezing. And I'm talking about the lowest point. So like in the mornings, it's 30 to 32, 33 degrees usually. And uh, so in the evenings, it, you know, like today it was 31 and then it heated up to like 62. So it's not like it's going to be miserable out there the whole time. No, no, not at all. Are, is, are you going on a, is there a cold front coming or like a micro cold front that you're going to try to hunt? Uh, yeah, there's a, uh, so we were on a pretty good little cold spell where, and when, when I, when I say cold spell, you Midwestern guys are probably going to laugh, but it was the lows were in the thirties. So that's, for cold. Us, that's a pretty good cold spell. And I think starting from today up until Friday, I believe it's going to heat back up where the lows are going to be in the forties. And then I think starting Saturday or Sunday, it's going to drop back down to the thirties again. So I'm, so I'm kind of, hopefully I'm going to hit like the start of that next cold front and maybe that'll change some stuff, but I don't know. I'm just, I got an opening to go here, here soon. So I'm probably going to try to hit that, that next cold front. Yeah, no, I mean, that'll be good. Hopefully you can uh, shoot one there and then we can talk about getting Midwestern. If I, if I get one there, like it's, it's going to have to be pretty solid. Like going to have to be a nice one. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I've been talking to some people. Um, well, heck I've been talking to Cooper, uh, for people who 
you probably haven't heard him a lot on this podcast or himself at all, but we've mentioned the name. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. It's public land pretenders. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year he got it done on January 13th. So on you want to talk one. about, yeah, on a great one on public land. And so if you want to talk about a guy who probably knows a thing or two about like late season, that's about as late, late as you could get, at least for here in Oklahoma, because that's two days before the season closes. That's a buzzer beater by every. Yeah. I don't know. I've been going back and forth with him and he's been, you know, kind of giving me a few pointers on some super late season. Cause you know, we're, we're both studs where we're usually don't have a tag by, <laughs> especially by January. So, uh, <laughs> that's a joke guys. Um, so yeah, he's been, he's been giving me some pointers and it's been giving me some hope and stuff and like kind of what to look out for. And, uh, I'm, I'm very confident. I'm very confident. Like I don't, I don't have any like discouragement where I'm, I'm not burnt out, I should say, just yet. Still got a little bit, like your tank's at like a fourth. You're not, you're not on it yet. I think I'm a little bit past half. Really? Yeah, like I'm, I'm still anxious to go. See, if you're, if you got that much uh, fill left, go shoot one on the first sit, and let's try to go somewhere else. That's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, actually, go shoot one on the first sit, and then I was gonna well, say, I'm just go saying, Nebraska, but uh, you won't I, like. Think. I'm gonna be camping in my truck so uh obviously i do, like i won't be getting as good as sleep as i would so what i'm my plan is to wake up super early uh in the morning probably like midnight one o'clock in the morning here drive there for the morning sits because the morning sits i feel like are going to be the best just because it's a lot colder 100 yeah. percent. and also when we were there in november obviously it's a different time frame but i'm i, I feel like i have a better chance in the morning because in november all the bucks I seen was in the morning. I seen three bucks on this spot, three sets in a row. And one of them was a really good one. So even if he's not in the area, I know this is a good little travel place where they like to be. So mm-hmm. I'm going to try that. I think first set in the morning. Then after that, I might do a little wandering and uh, try to find some actual food, food sign. But you're not a, that's interesting because you're not typically a, I would almost say about as starkly different as you can be. I like, I am like a morning person. Not, Mm -hmm. not like a waking up kind of person, like a deer hunting. I like mornings. I would skew 90% towards mornings. And I feel like you typically would skew like 80. Oh, I love evenings. evenings. I love evening hunts. Uh, now granted, I like shooting them in the mornings just because usually when you go to track it, you have daylight and you have to wait till the next morning. So I like shooting them in the morning more, but I like, I enjoy the evening hunts better because things are usually super busy, super busy. And you can literally see the world like start shutting down and going to bed where it's almost like busy, busy, and then it's calm. And then in the mornings, it's like completely opposite, but you get to see the world waking up. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I just enjoy the evening aspect of it more. But if, uh, if I have a better chance of killing a deer in the mornings, then by God, I'm going to go in the mornings. I think I've killed like this year. I've killed one in the evening, but I would say 75, 75% of the bucks I've ever shot have been like in the mornings. Just, I think naturally because of the cold, we don't get a ton of, especially when you're out in Oklahoma, the evenings, November 15th might be 70 degrees. Like, uh, yeah. And does that, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So I've always enjoyed the mornings because to me, there's a feeling when you walk out and it's almost like when your nipples start to poke through your shirt a little bit, you're like deer, like that feels mm-hmm. like deer to me. Feels like hunting season. What yeah, the heck? It feels like hunting season. And even on an October morning with the right cold front, you can feel that. So I always like 
it's a feeling thing. Like I feel like mm-hmm. I can see a deer this morning. Whereas evenings are probably just as good in some instances, even better, but which that probably has to go into like your attitude towards the hunt. Like whether you walk a little bit further to try to find better sign or, you know what it might be like you, you you feel like you're going into kill. Does that make sense? Rather than like, Oh, it's hot. I'm just going to set up here see what I can see. Mm -hmm. So hundred percent, even on a hot spell in the mornings when it's the coolest, I'm like, okay, I could still do this. Even if it's fifties or sixties, like it's cooler than it normally is. Which is interesting, though, because in the late season, people almost always exclusively hunt the evenings on food. Like, yeah, because it's cold. Well, food's exactly. different. Like, because I mean, I know if I walk out for a morning sit, kind of it, in my more open spot on the private, I always seem to bust deer on there in the mornings. Yeah, mm-hmm. but so. in the evenings, they're coming out. That's when exactly when they're coming out there, mm-hmm. probably and feeding all night. So I've had. I don't know. I still would probably feel good about the mornings. Like if I was going late season, the mornings would still probably still get me just as pumped up as they do the whole year. Yeah. That's why I'm not going to wake up at like 8 a.m. and then drive down. I'm going to try to leave super early and get just as much sleep as I would probably if I drove down the night before and slept in my truck. You probably will just sleep in five. No, I I know I will. I know I will. (laughs) I know myself. So are you going to hit some backseat snoozing? Uh, when you get there, uh, I, uh, are you talking about for like, the trip? like at night you're going to like hit the back seat? Yeah. Yeah. I just got a, I'm just going to bring a few sleeping bags and, uh, I actually have an indoor buddy heater that I have. I've never opened. Where so did you get that? I got it for Christmas like two years ago. I don't know. And it's not. So hold on. I, have I don't, I don't know. I literally read the back of the box just like three days ago. Just to Is see it, if like, it's hey, safe to use. It says you can use it indoors and it's, and it has a picture of a tent on it. So if you're able to use it in a small tent, granted, I'm still probably going to crack a window or two if I have to use it. But if it only stays like in the thirties, I have a big like wool sleeping bag. And then I have like a little thin sleeping bag that I, that if it gets super cold, I can just shove inside of it. And I mean, and if I have a buddy heater and if that, if I, if I feel that's unsafe, I can just always start my truck for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I lean on the side of comfortable and unsafe. Like I like being warm. <laughs> you know, I'm kind of hot blooded. Like I like I'll, oh, I'll run are. the heater when it's like in the summer. Just I, I yeah, kind of like the now, contrast. But anyways, <laughs> <laughs> I woke up one time on a draw hunt and uh, I was sleeping in the back of my truck and it was 28 that morning. I think because I made a video about it um, about the hunt and it was like 28 that morning. And I remember just waking up, no sleeping bag, just a blanket. And I was like, this sucks. I do not want to mm-hmm. do this, but if you have the right sleeping bag, you're like my sleeping that bag. I have the right one. I just have multiple of them. So two, two plus two equals two wrongs make a right. Yeah, exactly. Two, two wrongs. Make a right. That mummy sleeping bag that I got, if it's under, if it's not like 20 and below, I'm like killing. And that thing, that thing really? is insane as well, as long as it's not wet, like it happened on our vacation. Yeah, that's, yeah, that sucks. But yeah, apparently it's an indoor one and I was reading on it and I think it takes the same propane, but I, I don't know if it burns differently or I don't know how, but it literally says a minute. It, it's called like the little buddy or something like that. And it says indoor. So I might, I might use it. And if I die, make sure Abby collects a fat check or something. I can see the headline. Local man dies of butane poisoning. <laughs> yeah, literally. Because <laughs> I've always said, uh, my mom's texted me before while I'm like, dude, sleeping in the back of my uh, 
in the camper shell and I'll run the buddy heater. And obviously it has side pull out windows. So like mm-hmm. you can crack them pretty easy, but, uh, she's like, you better crack a window in there. And I'm like, no, it lets out the heat. She's like, I'm serious, but no, I like, you never crack a window when you do. I do. That? Yeah, I do. I would say it's sketchy because when you start to smell a little bit of propane, you're like, mm. I can't smell. So, Oh, you're good then. Yeah. You probably die in peace then. I will. I'll, I'll be snoozing probably about how I want to go, but yeah. yeah, it says indoor, but, uh, I'll probably still be safe and crack a window if I need to use it. I probably realistically won't even use it. Yeah. Cause it'll probably well, be like lows of the forties. The year isn't over for uh, folks that are still hunting and haven't filled a single tag. The year's not over. It's actually far from over. Like there's like a third of the season still left. It doesn't feel that mm-hmm. way. November always kind of feels a little final, but I shot a doe. I shot two does on January 14th last year. And I was like, dude, this feels wrong. Like I'm going to, I'm in the next year altogether, but it's not even close to over. Um, so that's well, the thing. Time. The bucks are still out there. Like they just didn't vanish off the face of the earth. They're somewhere. Obviously they might not be running around as much, but you just got to be, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to be like Cam Haynes, but like you just got to be a woodsman, but mm. that's not the mentality I'm trying to be, but it, they might be a little harder to find, but when you do find them, I think they're more killable just because they'll be more patternable. Well, and just like you kind of said on your trail cameras that you've been seeing recently, I've been seeing a lot more bucks show up on our trail cam. It's like that post mm. rut, like during the rut, we have most of our cameras on feeders and crossings and stuff. So during the rut, our picture sucked. We did not get very many bucks yeah. on camera, but now it seems like, Oh, haven't seen him in three weeks. There he is. Haven't seen that buck in a month. There he is. And those bucks and some new ones have been trickling in. It finally sound feels like the, the ground starts to settle and you start seeing new bucks and bucks that you'd waited to see for a long time. So it's uh, I feel like it returns to normal. It feels more like October, November or December reminds me of like a cold October. Like it's a back to a pattern back to looking for food, that sort of stuff. So mm-hmm. it's exciting. Um, you want to do some Q and a, uh, yeah, let's do it. Um, so before we get into the Q and a, I did want to mention some stuff about, uh, Exodus. So last time we talked about, uh, some product availability from them, uh, it has changed since then. So the render, uh, their flagship cell camera is sold out and the SP 18 solar panel, uh, that we run is sold out, but don't fret too much because, uh, 2024 product launches are going to come and they still have, uh, the Exodus rival, the budget cell camera, the, um, Exodus NIS uh, micro diameter. I believe they're a five millimeter arrow still for sale and uh, booster antennas. So there's still a lot of stuff available on the website. I know Christmas is coming up. Not a lot of women listen to this podcast. So if you're a man, feel free to get yourself a, a Christmas present and wrap it and say from Santa. So <laughs> I know I will. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, check that out. You can also save 15% um, when you shop at exodusoutdoorgear.com with code HA15. And everybody that's used the code, we really appreciate it. But that's the stuff. That's what's new for Exodus. And let's move into some QA. Uh, I, I, wait, I got the first one. This? I, I got the first one. It's a, it's a personal message. Okay, cool. So, and this was one that, it's not often that we get questions that I feel like uniquely qualified to talk about. This was one of them that I was like, Oh yeah, we can definitely talk about this. <laughs> Let's hear um, so this one comes from, uh, comes from Facebook, Shane Stewart. He said, interested on others input on hunting deer around cattle. 
uh, how livestock affects deer movement and habitat, pros and cons, that sort of stuff. And mostly bow hunting is what he's doing. What are your, what are your thoughts about that? Have you grown up around hunting cattle, hunting around cattle? Yeah, actually. And uh, horses. Uh, and horses. I, I, if I have to pick one or the other, I think I'd rather hunt around cattle than horses because horses I are agree. just like, they're, I mean, I know cattle are curious too, but horses are like, they'll knock over feeders and I mean, they'll basically follow you out there and I don't know. I just don't like, I get long story short, I got kicked in the head by a horse. So every horse can basically piss off for all <laughs> I care. But, uh, yeah, I, I would prefer not to hunt around cattle, but if you have to, and especially food sources, if you, let's say you run a feeder, definitely fence that bad boy up. Just like you're trying to keep hogs out of the, out of the mix. And, uh, I mean, go from there. I wish you had this thing written down or something. Cause I don't. So it, it was just input on hunting deer around cattle, how livestock affect deer movement and habitat. The way that I thought about it was if you have habit, good habitat for cows, you typically don't have good habitat for deer. Those things are usually mutually exclusive. I've seen folks that run cows in deer habitat and it seems like they just do their best to run it. It's like they're trying to any, any thick place. They're like, let's mow a path through here, even though this yeah. is really good bedding. Um, and it makes it a little bit more tricky. Cause I mean, uh, when we were in Kansas and you didn't know for sure whether or not, like, obviously if the ground's wet and you can see, okay, that's a, that's a cow print instead of like a deer track or something like that. Um, it kind of, it's kind of hard to tell like certain trails. Is this a deer trail or is this a cattle trail? You know, like stuff along that. I mean, it, it just makes it a little bit more difficult. Plus it could hurt your access. You know, I don't know if this is really affects it or not, but when you're walking in, you know, cows, if they see somebody, especially a truck pull up, they're like, Hey, food, let's go eat food. So they start bellering and all that good stuff. And Typically they'll follow you out there and sometimes ruin your truck. Cause I've had a few horses when I, when I park in a pasture or whatever, they'll like get their bottom teeth on my hood. <laughs> Scrape that paint off. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple hoods ruined from that, but uh, yeah, I don't know. What do you think? What, what's your best piece of advice? You, you said the Kansas thing that, that brought it back. Like a lot of the weehaws that we hunted in Kansas, I would say like 80% of them were just cattle pasture. Like it yeah, was, it's, it, it's like those people were just trying to collect like, a little check or something because they were like, we, deer. we've got a turd of a quarter section here. Let's, uh, let them deer hunt. I'm like, dude, there's four trees on the whole place. I walked on one that was literally just, I don't even think there was a tree on it. If there was, it was like maybe three locust trees and it had a half dried out pond that I'm sure some cows got stuck in at one point and it was just awful. And they were like, okay, this is a weehaw. I know. I mean, that's typically it. To be fair, I shot my buck in Kansas off of one of those. Like there was probably 200 head on this place. I shot my buck. And I remember, I remember getting out of the truck, walking back to this Creek in this place and I'm walking and I'm like, God, there's 50 cows. And I kept walking. I'm like, there's 50 more. And I got down over this hill and I looked down and it was just lit up in the bottom with them. And not that, not that they like browse on, I'm sure they do, but not that they like go eat acorns or eat like stuff that I'm worried about a deer browsing on or berries or whatever, but they're just annoying to hunt around because typically you can't, it seems like you can't get away from them. Like 
they come where you go. And unless you cross like water or have some sort of border or a fence or something, there's nothing stopping them. And they're really curious. Like they, I remember hunting growing up. We hunted a lot just on the ground because you didn't know where deer come from. And when you're hunting with a rifle, who cares? So we'd hunt a lot on the ground and I would sit down. And when you sit sit down with your rifle and stuff against the tree, you start in a cow's eyes, you start disappearing because your frame is, you know, Mm -hmm. your outline is gone. And so they get like super curious and they start walking up to you. I mean, as close as they can get. And then you move real quick and they all get startled. They're about to, they're about to, and then they take off running and do, do a circle and then come right back to you. And it's just like, yeah. dude, I'm just trying to stay still. And, and you're making a, me chase you down and throw sticks and crap at you. Yeah. They're, they're about the tastiest animal ever, but they're about the dumbest animal ever, too. But, um, <laughs> tips for hunting around them, I would say, like, I would don't. try to hunt in some sort of temp, don't is the, is the right ap- option, but hunting in some sort of timber or some sort of, uh, topography that a cow wouldn't want to go in and that a deer would. And also, like you said, on the access side, it's hard to do this, but if I could get into a place where there are cows without the cows seeing me, that would make me feel a lot better. Cause once they see you, they typically do not give up on it. They're like, no, I want to know what that was. And if you disappear in a blind, they're like, let's stand out here until he leaves and make sure that he didn't go in that blind. Let's put our heads together. Let's really figure this out and see where he went. <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly um i mean they tend to on the habitat side the stuff that we hunted in kansas was just grazed to the bones like any any browse any uh natural native grasses if you allow them to get in there they just destroy it so um they're pretty it, it depends who you are if you're a cattle guy you wouldn't say they're detrimental to the habitat you say they're getting fat and you're making some bread but if you're a deer hunter, you would say these things suck and they're very detrimental to it. From a deer hunting perspective, they they just don't mix super well. So if you're bow hunting, by the way, rifle hunting is a little bit different. Yeah, you might catch them crossed on a field or something like that. And maybe, maybe have a part of your pasture that's like super thick, like super tall grass or whatever. I don't know. I don't know, but maybe you can catch them coming out of that. But even even for like ponds and stuff. So a little bit of backstory. Chris and I growing up, we used to like we grew up fishing together before we ever started hunting together. And we would always take fish out of my neighbor's Creek and throw them in my parents' pond. And it got to the point where you could throw a, just a worm out there. You didn't have to jig it, do anything and fish would bite it. Now, granted this pond was basically was meant to Mud be a cattle pond <laughs> and it didn't have much cover and didn't have a lot of bait fish. So you would catch an abundant of fish, but they'd be super skinny. Long story short, um, after cattle was put in there, it didn't many, it didn't matter how many like other fish you put in this, you were not able to catch any because the, I mean, the cattle just basically ruined the pond by, because they'll, they'll stand in it, poop in it and all this stuff. And it just, I don't know, like basically just made it into a big bowl of mud instead of like an actual water hole. Yeah. I, I'm just not, I'm just not a livestock guy. If, if you can't tell. Well, I, I've hunted around them forever and I can tell you the best way to not get mad at them is not hunt by them because yeah. it's just, it's different if they're in a pasture and you can jump a fence and go hunt, you know, your timber and stuff. And like we, one of the leases that I hunt, there's cattle on it, but the section of the oxbow of the river is fenced off. So it's like mm. you have something in between you and them. In that case, it's not a big deal. 
But if they can go everywhere you can go, don't be seen going in because they're too curious and they're idiots. Um, and just try to try to be in places that they don't desire stuff in which that's pretty fair because I don't feel like deer and cattle. Sometimes they'll use the same things like pasture. Obviously you're going to see deer and pasture, but just, I would, I would not prefer it. If I had a yeah. option a and option B, I wouldn't, I would not prefer it, but that's probably the only advice I have on hunting cattle, hunting around cattle. God, we learned a lot on the Weehaw stuff. I remember <laughs> pulling up and just seeing them on there and being like, dang. Nope. <laughs> yeah. All right. What's, so this one comes from Facebook. Have you guys ever had success with the new style rattle bags instead of regular rattle horns? And this is from Trevor. Trevor Ram? Rom? Trevor something Ram. like that? So Trevor, uh, if you need me to read that again for you, have you guys ever had success with new style rattle bags instead of regular rattling horns? Um, I haven't personally. Um, you use the new style rattle bag, don't don't you? Like I, the- I don't. I wouldn't consider myself a huge like rattler, but uh, yeah, I have in the past. I've watched my dad rattle a buck in with one of those bags, but I feel like really? one of the issues with the bags is it's kind of a double edged sword. It's super convenient because it's real small. And mm-hmm. you can just shove it in the back. Backable. But if you've ever heard a deer fight in real life, it doesn't sound like that. Like you can't get loud. They throw down. With, you know the videos on National Geographic where you see two desert bighorns hit each other like at 80 miles an hour, skull to skull. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how deer fight. Like they pin their ears back and when they hit together, Peyton's heard it on the lease this year for the first time, like deer actually fighting. He's like, dude, it's loud. And I said, I know when you, I watched it for the first time, probably five or six years ago. And it just, so when I started hunting with Jake Ayers, he, I watched him rattle with traditional rattling horns. He had the eye guards cut off of them. And I wondered why That's do you have smart. the eye guards cut off them? Obviously. Cause you bang your hands, right? Your thumbs are gone. But I was like, there's no way he's hitting them with enough force that it's, you need to cut the eye guards off. He would get them, and I mean, wingspan, far as you can get your hands apart, boom, 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 boom. And it would Almost hurt my ears. safety glasses. <laughs> yeah, like sparks coming off them. It would hurt my ears. And then you'd see a buck just come out of the timber. And ever since I've watched deer actually fight in person, and I've seen people rattle with success, I would prefer a set of rattling horns. Are they super small and light to bring in to most spots no but if you're like a run and gun public guy and maybe you hunt saddle and you get a mile mile back there i think a rattle bag can work you're not going to get as much distance i've seen it work uh watch my dad shoot a nice seven point doing that but Mm -hmm. they work i just don't think it's ideal for uh, from a realism perspective it doesn't sound the most real well i carry i carry like actual rattling antlers with me and the only reason I do that and like haven't broke down and bought like a rattle bag or anything is just now granted I'm, I'm, I'm stubborn because I don't find very many sheds. And so I never want to like just saw the eye guard. So I keep the eye guards on and I just kind of hold it like this, but I still try to yeah. sew them together. And, uh, uh, after talking to Bronson Strickland about like the, the, Oh, it was him and Dr. Dr. Mickey. I, I, I can't think of his last name. I know who you're talking about. Is it an A&M guy? Uh, I think Mickey Hellickson. That's what it is. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. So, so they they did a study where they uh basically got on a 
get on a ranch and they had an observation tower and one did an observation tower where they could kind of see this, like, a, I don't know how, how far surrounding it, but I guess they could see it pretty good ways over all these like little yucca bushes and like short, short timber. I think they're in like Texas somewhere. So you, you can kind of know the hill country and kind of flat, but, uh, or somewhere around Texas. Well, one person would be on the ground uh, rattling and they did a study whether, you know, what worked, worked best on certain times of day. So like did a loud short sequence work better than a soft long sequence. And then they did everything in between mm. and they, and they found that uh, it didn't matter if it was loud and short or loud and long. Uh, but as long as it was loud, it, uh, it got the attention of bucks more than the soft like you know how, how people all the time like oh i just went in there and i just barely tickled, tickled them tickled together the well that's probably because the deer was already close by now they probably didn't even hear that crap yeah but the grand scheme of things it's like it's i mean the deer isn't going to react to what it can't hear and so if you're just barely you know shuffling the bag kind of like what you're saying not only does it not sound real but the deer probably can't hear it and so uh he even said at one point they uh they watched the buck like the buck would only walk towards them as long as the as the sound was going as long as he heard bucks fighting he would travel and as soon as the buck stopped fighting which as soon as the dude quit hitting the rattling others together the buck would just like start doing its own thing again like start walking away and mm -hmm. then when they continued he would turn around and so basically like you got to be aggressive with it is what he was saying i mean i agree with that i i probably have somewhat limited experience rattling in i'm rattling a few deer um, but I've, uh, you can see it in our rotation video last year when Justin shot his, a uh, 16 point, I rattled in that video, but I hit the bag together like this kind of just look like a native American trying to start a fire like that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And then I would take it and hit it against the tree because that would, that makes the loudest clap wow. in there, but you don't have a lot of space in between those little logs in there. So mm -hmm. even hitting them against the tree it still doesn't even make enough noise to hurt my ears and I'm two feet away from it. So 70, 80, 90 yards away, you're probably like, what the is winds that? And the hills, yeah. you know, depending on topography, I used it when I shot my 2021 buck. So a few, a few days before I actually it was like five, five days to a week before I actually shot him, I was sitting in the blind on just the same little area, but just a different part of the field. And one evening I got bored. I wasn't seeing much, maybe a few does. I absolutely just started smoking the antlers together. Cause I mean, I just, I don't know. I was just going to try to rattle. And I knew like loud was probably better. I hit the antlers together and not, I don't know, not five minutes after I put the antlers down, I see a deer walking out and I was like, okay. And no, no, no. So there's two different times I rattled and it was the same exact spot when the blind was in the same exact location. Uh, nice. First time was in 2020. I already tagged out. And so it was like November. It was during rifle season. So November 18th to like the 20, whatever I was trying to get Abby a buck. And this is when I, I had, uh, we had that buck we called greatness. Greatness. Yep. And so I slammed the, the horns together because we, we didn't see a thing all evening and we were literally going to pack up early and go home. It was probably, I don't know, 20 minutes before, before dark and she was kind of ready. And I was like, you know, whatever, this is supposed to be fun. I'm not, I'm not like here to, I'm not going to force you to stay. So if you want to leave, 
we can leave. Mm-hmm. And, but I was like, as we were packing up, I already had the camera, like, like putting the bag and all that stuff. We we're, we we're about to leave. And I hit the rattle and antlers and not 30 seconds later, what I think was a greatness, a big old eight point steps out from the left and immediately starts walking down the tree line. The only reason I think it was him and not just a different buck was just because greatness would have been an older deer. And he seemed like an old, like he's been through the ringer a time or two. Now granted around here, that could be two years old and he's already been through the ringer, but um, yeah, as a six-year-old, he's probably been about two dozen ringers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he steps out and, and like holds really tight to the edge but he's following the direction where he heard the rattling, which is straight towards us. And at this point he's maybe 80 yards, but he's coming towards us and he steps out. And as he's walking, he doesn't see anything. And so that, that that's when he starts heading back up the tree line and whole time I'm trying to get Abby positioning, like, like make sure it's, you know, it's off safety, you know, after it's already up on her shoulder and all that stuff. And as she's trying to get on him, he dips back in the timber. And so I smoke him together again and he steps back out and starts walking back down the timber again. And at this point, like she's, she's in shambles. I'm in shambles. Long story short, she couldn't get on him in time. And so fast forward to 2021, I try to use the rattle antlers again. And I had like two good bucks that I had on camera out in the field. And then I had two little smaller bucks. This is, I'm just saying, this sounds like a great property. This was the best hunt I've ever had in my life out here. <laughs> You're telling like, the creme de la creme seeing, stories. Yeah. Seeing bucks, multiple bucks in one sit. Uh, I had, I had two nice bucks out there. One came out there and started kind of like messing around with the, with the other ones, the, with the two little ones, but they were just kind of sparring around. So he's like, ah, oh, you ain't a problem. And then I hit them again. Cause they were on the opposite side of the field and they put their head up. They were curious, but they didn't see another deer over here. And so they're like, I'm not going to go over there if I don't see anything. Mm-hmm. Well, that made another buck come out and like kind of posture up to the other buck. And these are two, both eight point eight points. One was like just an average kind of decently wide eight point. The other one was like a high and tight one. And I was like, Oh, it's about to go down. He started like kind of posturing up to the wide eight point and I hit him together again. They, they would both look, didn't see anything. So I think if you go to rattle, unless you're just like in a, super tight cover place. I think you almost need to pair it with a decoy. Right. If, if you have any visibility at all, mm-hmm. right. If they can Which like, we're if, hunting. no, I was just saying, if there's a way for them to visually confirm whether that was BS or not, you probably mm-hmm. need a decoy in most situations. And like, I, I remember seeing a uh, Casey, uh, he remember when he rattled that buck in on a buck truck, that big wide one in Kansas, he mm-hmm. got down below a berm and started rattling. And so the buck had to come over the topography and it was like believable because it's like, Oh, the buck could be behind this hill, you know? Right. But when you're in the flat or in the wide open and you rattle and they're like, dude, we're in a field. I don't see yeah. like yeah. that situation. Probably not. I mean, but five days later I moved because I'm like, okay, this is before I had the decoy idea. I'm just going to move to where I would probably have a shot if they did come out like that and move the same way they, w- they went out. But the next time I went out there, I brought a decoy with me. And when I rattled, I don't know if that's what brought the buck in, but I've never seen that buck before in my life. And mm-hmm. I rattled and it actually seen a decoy. Now, granted in the video, I got a big old corn pile right there. So Yellow you could say one way or the other, whether he was coming to the rattle and the decoy, or if he was coming to the corn. Well, where he came from, he had to loop around 
to uh to like actually come from this way because it's just like straight creek and so he was trying to get downwind of this decoy so i assumed he came into the decoy rather than just coming into the corn but that's yeah, just mine he, he didn't walk straight in to like eat the corn either like he walked and like stopped and looked and then i mean you shot him when he stopped and looked but yeah the decoy definitely had something to play if it wasn't 100 percent, it was up there he came yeah. into the decoy so I guess just to summarize it, that's that, that that's my tip. I know you're just asking about just the rattle bags, whether they work or not, but I'm just saying I think they could work. You might as well try it if you're super aggressive with it. Is there better options? Probably. But if you do, depending on the terrain and topography, just try to pair it with a decoy. That's all I would say. And it's probably like, is it is there certain situations where it could work? Like, yes, absolutely. And is it better to carry it than have no rattling horns? Maybe, possibly. I would be... I'm not huge on like blind calling. Like I never really have a ton of success on like, I hope I'm not seeing anything. Let me hit a few grunts. Let me hit a few rattles that rarely ever works for me. It worked out for curly that one time. Yeah. But we, but we we knew that there was a deer in there. Yeah. We heard him like rubbing on a tree or something like, or thrashing around on something because you were like, I don't know if that's a squirrel or an actual deer. And that's when we hit the grunt. And then two minutes later, he, we were like, Mm Hmm. So, so I'm not a, I'm not a huge blind caller, but I, I think like for the blind calling circumstances, the rattle bag is probably not the best idea. You don't get a lot of coverage. You can't send that sound very far. I might want to bring a set of rattling antlers. So what's your take on, on, on grunting? When like would blind you grunt? running? Like when I saw a deer. Yeah. When I could see his reaction, because my issue is how many times have you been sitting in the woods? And you haven't seen anything and you haven't heard anything. And then you look over 30 yards away and you hear the first step of a deer and they're right there. Like, Uh, yeah, most of the time, a lot, a lot of the time. My issue is if when I blind grunt and stuff, the likelihood of something being within a hundred yards, especially if it's prime time and I'm in a good area, probably pretty high. So I'm giving away my position with a grunt. And if I'm hunting in a place that is thicker, I'd be more opt to do it. But if I'm hunting in a place that's somewhat open, that deer can hear the grunt immediately and be like, dude, BS. Yeah. You know, I, I, cause it's crazy when, even when you blind call or grunt, when they hear it, they know exactly where it is. Oh, like, they, they can pinpoint for sure. It, it's like, it's almost exactly. like turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Because I remember when we went down to Jesse's, you would call. And now granted it wasn't a Tom that came in, but he was, he was gobbling back to us. But that hen got within like 20 yards of us. And we're just like looking around, like, where the hell are you? Cause she knew exactly where that came yeah. from. And she stood there for like five minutes. She said, I could have swore I heard it from right here. And sure enough, we were sitting there like, I think both shaking, even though it was a hen, but it was like, I mean, it was just cool because like she literally came from, I don't know, 60 yards in the end of timber and came to exactly where basically the tree we were at. Oh, and deer are just as good at that mm-hmm. as turkeys. Maybe even I would maybe say better, better just because turkeys' brain are like that. But yeah. I'm anyways, I think huge guy like that. I think grunting. I, I think I'm right there with you. Like if I see deer, that's that's usually even if I'm not like trying to kill it, because if I'm just super bored, and especially on public or something, if I see a spike or something that I'm just like, I'm just gonna fiddle around with this guy. I'll start grunting at him and I think that's what honestly killed that deer in 2022 
or 2020 as you're well. You're running at a, your biggest book was, ever. You're running at a spike. I, I was running at a spike just because I was bored out of my mind. And he was hot on some dough. I'm just, I'm just going to see what he will do. And then sure enough, after they ran off, I mean, because I don't know why else that buck would have stayed around after it looked me in the eyes. It thought something Unless, else was there. Exactly. Well, so. and then you can take it the opposite way because the buck that I shot in 2021 on Oklahoma public, that wide eight pointer, no browse that deer. Um, he walks in the 75 yards and I'm like, buh, buh, buh. I mean, I'm hitting him like with the Thanos. When was this? 2021. Okay. The, yep. Yep. Yeah. And the one that I shot had to shoot three times that buck community center. Yeah. Yep. That buck. I hit him like three times, like 75 yards away and he'd throw his head up. He wouldn't even look my direction. He'd be like, whatever. And then I like hit it. Some of them. It's interesting. Cause you hit some of them and they like are curious others. You hit them and it's like, that it's not even happening. Like, I don't, I don't care. Like some of them just act that way. So that's just a personality thing. I think, I mean, and I think it's some people like hunting that way. Similar to like people that call elk. They're like, I don't want to kill an elk unless he's bugling. Some people mm-hmm. like, Oh, I want to call in a buck. I want to rattle in a buck. We grew up hunting in places where if you rattle, that's pretty much the first sign for them to be like, ah, I'm out. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. I choose life. Especially the places that we, uh, even the place that we hunt public people, the people play the grunt flute and the rattle tube, like or on the rattle drums. Like it's an instrument. Like they're trying to get the first chair. People I heard play that. them all the time. I heard it when we were on our vacation because it's when I actually found deer for once. I walked by this 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 guy stand on this opposite finger trying to find or trying to get to my area, and which I guess he didn't know I was there. But the whole time, that whole morning, it was just like it. I know what he was trying to do. He was trying to paint a picture because he he would start out. He was on like maybe two hundred yards away. He'd start out, burr, 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 and then all of a sudden. Two seconds later, bang, 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 just smacking the antlers together. And the, the rattling sounded like pretty good, but just after after hearing him just grunt, obviously for probably like a blind grunt, because he he did it like every 30 minutes. I will like I, that just discouraged me even more than like never blind grunt like that and like try to be that loud because it just did not sound realistic. Cause usually when, when you when you hear a grunt, unless they're just absolutely hot on a doe where they're like, you know, just chasing. I've never heard a deer just from, you know, like, Oh, that's the first sign I've ever heard of them. Like besides the walking is Mm -hmm. just him grunting. Like I've never heard it, like found out a deer was right next to me just because of of it. It was grunting. Usually it's it's a walking distance. And then you hear the grunt as they're walking. Exactly. Like, but, but, but it's usually pretty, pretty shallow and not loud. But, and you think about it this way. How many times have you been sitting in the stand and you heard a massive buck fight, grunts going, they get like, you don't hear vocalizations a ton. And if you do, it's typically in November and on private land. And I don't hear a ton of buck fights. Like on public, I've probably heard two or three. And so people try to paint those pictures. I think about that all the time. Like there's folks that will call on October 1st, like they're making a buck fight and like it's an Armageddon. And I just sit back and I think, how many times have I heard that in the woods? And I spent a lot of hours in the woods across a few different states and hardly ever. So I think people do a hell of a lot more harm with a grunt tube and rattling horns than they do good for the most part. 
especially on public. Yeah. All right. I think we beat that one enough. Um, is it my question? Yep. Yes. Uh, 46th state hunt said, what sources for deer biology do you use and which one of them do you trust the most? State wildlife departments, college researchers, private research institutions, federal government agencies, etc. None. I just listen to podcasts. That's about it. <laughs> but a lot of those are colleges, researchers, private yeah. research. Uh, Which ones do you listen to? I would I would think if it's strictly deer biology, the best information I think you can get is uh I've, I've said his name quite a few times on here, but Bron- Bronson Strickland has a podcast. I don't know how often they put them out anymore, but they got a whole library full. Uh, it's the just type in Deer Lab on the podcast app. And, MS, and, and MSU I, Deer Lab, right? Yeah, yeah. Listen to their stuff because that's that's a dude that if there's a Doctor Deer, that would be that would be him. Mm-hmm. And I know Christian made fun of his hairline last time he was on the podcast, but uh. So probably won't have him back on. Yeah. So he probably uh, won't come back on. No, I'm just kidding. He's that's, super nice. That's hundred percent who I would listen to because you'll, you'll learn everything to how to rattle to, to like the ins and outs of why, why a buck gets super big and, and you know what basically goes into it. So that's what I would say. That's, that's where you can learn like, uh, you know, how nutrition and water go into actually like why, why nutrition equals big racks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think another one, we did a, a full deer science month about this. We had, uh, four Are you plugging weeks. yourself right now. I'm plugging. Cause it was good. Jesus, like, objectively speaking, good. not because of us, because of the quality of the guests that came on. Well, that's um, a good one. yeah, we had, um, we did a full deer science, uh, month talking all about the senses of white tailed deer. So you should check that out because it's got some of these people on it. Um, and then a per- one person that I listened to and I like, uh, consuming content from is uh dr marcus lashley from uh university of florida and they have a podcast they have a deer lab as well anybody any college that has a deer lab is pretty typically pretty credible on this sort of stuff because they have actual resources that study it day in and day out but and and um, it's factual resource or uh research and not just like anecdotal data from like your yeah uncle joe and you know your neighbor down the road exactly um I talked with, I had like an um, hour and a half long conversation with Marcus on the podcast too. We talked about the effects of feral hogs on deer, coyotes. We talked about burns. He's like a huge uh, advocate of burning and what that does for antler quality and nutrition. Um, so I would say I don't consume a lot of stuff from the state level. I would say the universities and the researchers and the people that uh, work in those sort of things like MSU Deer Lab, Florida, uh, deer lab. I know Texas A&M puts out a ton of stuff. Uh, another one's national deer association. Ooh, they, that's good. They do a really good job. Uh, so they're an, a nonprofit organization and, um, they cite a lot of research from all those people. Who's the guys? Who's the guy? You've had him on the podcast, I think twice. Lindsay, Lindsay Thomas Jr. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, I think so. He yeah, has like about short box. beard scruff. If you if you follow their TikTok and stuff like that, they have a lot of like super educational short form stuff like why why deer, you know, have grow antlers from their face, you know, just I don't know, just a lot of weird stuff. So even if you don't want to get in down to the nitty gritty and you can't like fully listen to a long drawn out podcast and you just want to like 
dumb scroll through some stuff, you can yeah. definitely check out theirs because they have some short tidbits like that. We had Matt Ross from the National Deer Association. We had uh, Kip Adams from the National Deer Association. They're both Kip, biologists. Who I was, who I was thinking. Kip, of. who you're thinking about. Yeah. yeah. Um, we had th- them both on for uh, Deer Science Month, and we had Gino D'Angelo, uh, Doctor Gino D'Angelo from uh, University of Georgia. I believe is where he's from. I really liked him. He was super down to earth. He was really fun to talk to. <laughs> yeah, Bronson. We had Dr. Bronson Strickland on, and then uh, a couple months later, I had Dr. Marcus Lashley on. So there's a lot of there's probably five, six, seven hours of deer science stuff if you're into the weeds on that stuff. Which, if you're asking, um, and it what breaks it down f- by by like specific. By sense. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have vision, one about like vision. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all broken down there. And if you're asking what source for deer biology do you use, you sound pretty in the weeds already. So those are all good podcasts. We have a full playlist on our uh, YouTube channel for our podcast channel. So and they're the people we had on were freaking top notch. I think we had three, four, five of the best folks in deer research. So, but I'm just saying, knowing all that ain't going to help you kill a deer because I literally <laughs> from like word of mouth from the biologists themselves. And I still got a book tag to fill in Oklahoma. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it's applied knowledge, not heard. knowledge. you know. Okay. Uh, I think you're oh, my turn, isn't it? I would like to hear your thoughts on targeting bucks on small parcels. I have 20 acres and it's hard to not stink up the woods throughout the season. This is user one six, six, zero, three, seven, six, nine, zero, two, six, eight. And they have a, he's definitely on his third TikTok. <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. You, don't, you don't get a name like that. Okay, here we go. At, at Luke Shinzel. Yep. Luke Shinzel. He's holding that nice. It looks like an Eastern Shinzel. Turkey. Uh, he had a follow up to it too. He, uh, he said, and that makes it hard to kill big deer because they know you are in there. I've heard Don Higgins talk about this quite a bit. And I've seen this in my own experience growing up hunting like a 40 acre piece. Um, the smaller the parcel, the less you can go in there in my mind, because the less access points you're going to have, the less wind directions you can probably hunt it on. I would say, um, in a super small parcel like that, I, the only time I'd be going in would be to kill something. I wouldn't be hunting that one for a hobby or just to get out of the house because a mature buck is not going to stay in a place when he's after he's bumped multiple times and, uh, I'd be waiting for the right wind direction. I'd probably have a cell camera in there to limit human intrusion. If you don't have that, I definitely have some other sort of uh, trail camera. And honestly, I would be hunting in on the peak weather fronts at the right times of the year because you can spend all of October in there. And if it's 96 degrees and you hunt on the wrong winds, your odds of finding a big deer is pretty freaking low. So that's what I would say about small parcel. That, so I would say now... Granted, it's almost half the size, but I know I know a guy. It depends what your property looks like too, because I know a yeah. guy who has like thirty five acres, and they killed. I think the last two years, it ain't good, like QD by QDMA standards. But they killed mm. like six six bucks off of a thirty five acre piece. Um, yeah, and one was like one hundred seventy two. The other one, I mean, the others were very shootable bucks as well, like great yeah. bucks. So it all depends on your parcels and stuff, but. Uh, and, and like your surrounding things, but you gotta, I guess you gotta kind of figure out like where you think they're coming from and exactly what Christian said. Like it's a lot easier to screw up and especially you have to be a lot more careful on your access and your wind. And those are go hand in hand. Like your access has to match your wind as well. But other than that, like 
since you're not going to be able to hunt it probably the majority of the time, unless you're just like in deer heaven in there. But I assume from your follow-up comment about the, it makes it hard to kill big deer. That's not the case where you have just an abundant, you know, timber on your property and around your property. So I, I mean, the best thing I would say is like, find, find a new spot to hunt. Like obviously keep, keep that on the back burner and then, uh, go hunt public. And if you don't have public clothes, then like, Maybe make a weekend trip if, if, if you can, because I mean, that's, that's kind of part of it. I mean, you and I both struggled with that a lot where you only have a certain amount of acreage to hunt and you can't, it seems like there's not a big deer anywhere in the area. And if it is, it's probably going to be nocturnal just mm-hmm. because, you know, we went in, we used to stink up the area just cause we didn't know any better about like playing the wind and stuff. So we'd go hunt it on a completely wrong wind. And then two weeks later, wonder why we haven't had any encounters going through there. but. Also, it might be an area where I don't know exactly where you live. It just might not be a big buck state. So you have to be realistic also, like what's a big buck in your area? Or you might yep. be in my position where uh, you're in a big buck area, but your parcel of land is just kind of like it's not set up the right way. And especially if you don't own the land, then it's hard to it's hard to kill big deer if big deer aren't on you. So I would say go find those big deer, whether that be public. And then always have that on the back burner. Keep a cell cam. Uh, just plug an Exodus. You can use our code. Get a little bit of discount on that. But uh, have a cell cam in there and where it monitors it. And if you have one showing up pretty consistently or heck, even just one or two times and you have the right wind, go in and kill it. And then your other time to scratch that itch of wanting to hunt, go use it on checking out, finding new spots on public. Yeah, I was going to say, if you love to hunt, this probably at 20 acres is not going to be where you get to hunt a ton and kill a big buck. You might be able to hunt a few times and shoot one, but you're not gonna be able to go every weekend or every day and that kind of thing. I have a little bit more acreage to hunt than, than obviously 20 acres, but even on my acreage, I'm scared to even shoot a doe in there. Cause I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to mess up anything. If there's even anything on there. Right. You probably have 20 acres of timber. That's probably maybe, maybe less. Yeah. Uh, I would say less. <laughs> well, cause yeah, like, just like you said, growing up, I mean, I would hunt, uh, my grandparents 40 and I would go in and if I went on the wrong wind and hunted and didn't see any deer, like if I, there were situations where I wouldn't see a deer for a week because yeah. I went in and did that, like a 20 acre piece, quite literally you could walk in and run for a couple weeks in one hunt. So I'd be very diligent about hunting it. And I would be, and if you love to hunt, you're one of the guys that loves to be out all the time. Like you said, find some public or work on getting more access because you can definitely kill a big deer on 20 acres, but you're not gonna be able to kill a big deer on 20 acres and hunt the volume that you probably want to. So yeah, I think that's good. Um, last one is T one T W O N dot 18 said any advice on using decoys just picked up a buck and a doe Montana decoy never used them before. Thanks. What do you got for this man? I think we already covered that in the rattling one, did we? But but the decoys? Yeah. Is that the only experience you have using decoys? I mean, oh. So, yeah, basically. Basically. Did you have another one that came up that you were thinking about? Well, I was thinking I didn't cover that book, but I did. Uh, I mean, if if you're going to use a decoy, like I think, I think the best time to use it would obviously be during the rut, but put it in an open spot, kind of like a field or something where people where 
the deer can see it from a ways away. And then that way, like, especially if you're in a scenario, like you're hunting over a wheat field or maybe a soybean field or something like that, where they could, there's literally food everywhere. Cause like in Kansas, we ran into that where we'd see deer on the opposite side of the soybean field, but it's like, what's going to bring them over here. There's nothing to, unless they just mm-hmm. by happenstance to walk through this little spot and try to go under me. There's no reason or, or rhyme or reason why that deer should come to right here. But if you have a decoy and especially if it's during the rut where they're looking and kind of like your Texas buck where that, where it might be a little bit pissed off. Um, I mean, that's just a little bit easier way to get them in range. Yeah. Or actually, it gives them a reason to, to come in range. I should say. Yeah. I think that's good. Um, I, he said he has a buck antidote decoy. I don't know a lot about using them in tandem because I've never, I guess that's just one more piece of the puzzle of getting a deer pretty fired up and pissed off. Uh, you have to understand the risk you're using with a decoy. Some deer are going to be pretty timid on a decoy. Some are going to hate it. And some people, some are going to love it. Like depending on the personality of the buck. So there could be a big antler buck that sees a decoy and goes, Nope. And walks the other direction. Like, and I know a lot of big deer are pretty antisocial. So maybe that's something to consider, but, um, like you said, yeah, using it during the rut, um, positioning in a place with high visibility. Um, I've seen calling and like you said before, calling, rattling, I would be a lot more apt to do those sort of things if I had a decoy. Um, kind of think that covers some of the the I just think using those two things in tandem works a little bit better. But I've seen it I've seen it work pretty well with Jake Ayers too, you know, setting decoys out on wheat fields and having bucks come up to them. I've never had one ram the decoy, but I've had them up ears pinned back sitting two feet from them. Like "Mm, I want to, but I'm not going to that sort of thing. And I've actually seen a decoy start a buck fight. Like I saw one. Yeah. We had a 510 inch eight point come in and he was like posturing up to the decoy and would get a couple feet and like, he'd like flinch at it kind of act like he's going to hit it. Yeah. Yeah. And it never moved. And so he turned around and a buck was walking out of the wheat field the entire time out into the middle. And by the time he had turned around, that other buck was like 30 yards away and they both put their ears back and started doing mm-hmm. that. And they ran and just boom, hit heads really dust flying in the wheat field. Yeah. Um, and also I would say, uh, consider where the deer are coming from and that a buck is probably going to try to get downwind of that decoy. So I would position it in a place where downwind of that decoy gives you a good shot opportunity. Cause if he comes in and, uh, you know, I have a nice buck come out and it doesn't work the decoy in the right way. That is true. Time. That is true. Most of the time, like if they see it, they're going to want to get downwind of it. Just to, just to scent check it. And you can use that to your advantage. Put mm-hmm. the downwind portion of the, the decoy, create you do a little pocket where if he comes downwind of it, he, there's a shot, you know? So that's just something to consider. I haven't, I've probably hunted a dozen times with the decoy, not much more than that. I know it can work it can probably just as easily mess you up. So there's kind of a risk versus reward kind of thing. And I think we're past the part of the year where it really matters that much. Yeah. I don't think, well, yeah, probably unless, unless you're just trying to get like a social deer, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe they, it might be the same scenario where, where they might not be like fired up and like wanting to kill it, but they're like, Hey, there's deer over there. But let's, let's just go over there. Well, I know those Dave Smith decoys look so real that they 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 are social creatures. Maybe a Dave Smith decoy or a Montana decoy that looks pretty real could bring other deer in. Well, I've had doe like uh, so w- when I shot that buck, uh, either that twenty twenty one buck I call it the decoy buck, but 
after I shot that, I was already, since I seen it go down, I was at the buck, like filming it and it wasn't all the way dark yet. And I, there was does like where it was looking at me and then looking at the decoy, like, why isn't that deer running? Mm-hmm. And so they, and so they never ran either. And so I think if you're like on the ground and like trying to bang one out behind some like quick cover, that's just something, I mean, it can just be used as a tactic to like, like focus the attention over here and not on you. So if you're in a spot that like, isn't the best cover for you, throw a decoy out just as an attention getter. And like, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I realized just off that little encounter. Like, Hey, that, that is like normally if, especially where we hunt, if a doe sees you, it's gone. Like that's the reason why I hang or put my feeders like 40 yards from my stand it's just because like if you even move wrong and like the deer doesn't see any other deer there, it's like, see you later. But in that instance, I was kind of like, Oh, you know, that might be a good thing. You know, that's pretty cool to know. Yeah. And that's good points. And that's the last question. Well, this is fun. More questions. Yeah, it was 10 more. Yeah. Yeah. 10 more. Um, yeah, I we appreciate you guys uh checking out the podcast, listening. Uh I think that's all we got for this one. Also, so, if you guys see this, uh if you I guess see this cool shirt I have right here, I'll do it for the good camera. See the shirt? That's you nice. can actually get those on our website. That's right. Huntersadvantagemerch.com. Um yeah, well, uh we appreciate you guys checking it out. If you guys want us to do more QA, let us know. Uh we'll post kind of TikTok, Facebook, Instagram videos from time to time where we kind of collect questions. We are not the experts and all know all authorities on deer hunting, but we do have some sort of opinions and experiences. And if we don't, we'll just tell you, I don't know. So, uh, be on the lookout for those. And also please make sure to leave us a rating review on Spotify or Apple podcasts or wherever you listen. We asked you last time and I don't know if I, I saw some new ones on Spotify. I didn't see any new ones on Apple yet. So Mm. please leave them on Apple. Uh, We appreciate you guys. But uh, with that, we will catch you guys in the next one. Jesus loves you. Bye.